0: To Art Bell somewhere in time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast A. M. from September twenty sixth, nineteen ninety-six.
1: From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you good evening, good morning, across all these many time zones from the Tahitian and Hawaiian Islands, racing eastward toward the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands, south into South America, north to the pole, worldwide on the internet. This is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell. And in a moment, Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr. from Montana. And he is a doctor, and he is in practice now. And he's got to get up early in the morning. So we've got him for about an hour, and we are going to make the best use of the time we can. So that coming up in a moment.
0: Coast to Coast AM is happy to announce that our website is now optimized for mobile device users, specifically for the iPhone and Android platforms. Now you'll be able to connect to most of the offerings of the Coast website on your phone in a quick and streamlined fashion. And if you're a Coast insider, you'll have our great subscriber features right on your phone, including the ability to listen to live programs and stream previous shows. No special app is necessary to enjoy our new mobile site. Simply visit coasttocoastam.com on your iPhone or Android browser. Now, we take you back to the night of September 26th, 1996, on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time.
1: Dr. Jesse Marcel, Jr. is in Montana, where it's already midnight. It's going to be a long day for him tomorrow and has been a long day for him today. Uh, so we're gonna get right down to business. Doctor, welcome to the program. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Um, Doctor, I'm, you know, I've heard myth about you and Roswell. I've seen movies and I've read books. Uh, but I've never talked to you about it. I've never heard it from you. And so I guess I would like to find how old were you when all this occurred?
2: Well, you know, I was uh, almost 12 years old. This was in July of uh, 1947. I was 11 then. I was 12 in August. So
1: pretty close to being 12. So about 12 years old. Yeah. Um, I take it that... Well, I shouldn't take it. What was the first indication that you had, you had, that something had occurred?
2: When my uh, dad uh, woke me up uh, early in the morning uh, to show us some debris that he brought in from the uh, field out of uh, Roswell. Yeah, you know, he he... Uh, You know, he'd left earlier, but maybe the day before, I don't really recall now. But uh, uh, when he came in, uh, he came by the house, he uh, woke my mother and myself up to uh, look at some uh, metal fragments and debris that uh, he and another fellow found out there uh, northwest of Roswell.
1: Can you remember what he actually said he had found?
2: Well, you know, I I don't want to put words (laughs) in his mouth, but I... I think he said uh, that this was part of a flying saucer, or something to that uh, effect. Uh, at that time, I really wasn't quite sure what a flying saucer was, but uh, uh-huh. I uh, certainly later found out what the uh, connotation was.
1: Well, at, at 12 years old, the uh, I guess the phrase flying saucer would at least get your attention. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so you went, obviously... Bounded out of bed, I'm sure. Were you in bed at that point?
2: Oh yes. Uh, so. It must have been uh one or two o'clock in the morning. Uh, certainly very late. I've been oh. uh, asleep for several hours.
1: Oh. So no doubt you bounded out of bed and went to take a look at what was uh, downstairs. What had he done? Just
2: Well, he, you know what he did. He uh, came in and uh, he wanted us to uh wanted me to help him unload uh some boxes of this material from the uh car. We had a nineteen forty two Buick uh, convertible.
1: So there were boxes of it?
2: Yes, uh huh. And, uh, so I went outside, uh, helped him unload a couple boxes of debris, and, uh, what we did, we just dumped it on the, uh, kitchen floor. And he said, I want you to look at this, uh, something very unusual, uh, yeah, look for, uh, some electronic components, you know, like uh, vacuum tubes or resistors, uh, condensers, wires, uh, there was not anything like that. And I guess the next step was well, I wanted to see if we could put some of this together, you know, there's a lot of, uh, metal debris in, the, See if we could put it together like a jigsaw puzzle and make uh, some sort of a
1: uh, Sense outline out of, out of it. Right, but of course you only had pieces of a far yeah. greater puzzle. I oh guess. yeah,
2: yeah. There was uh, far too much of it to do anything like that with, and uh, and uh, certainly there wasn't anything that uh, could be construed as uh, electronic. You know, no electrical wires or or the other components.
1: No. How would you describe it as um, uh, as just sort of. Um uh, well, uh, we've heard many things, beams with uh, what, appear to be hierogly- what appear to be hieroglyphics on them, or portions of beams, or can you recall the, the nature of what was there?
2: Well, you know, uh, as I remember, there was about three types of this debris. There was uh, a lot of metal foil, uh, sort of like uh, aluminum foil uh, that you would see in the in the kitchen today. uh, uh was kind of... Uh, Dull, not really very reflective, Uh, it was very light, and uh, there was some black plastic and uh, debris I thought was something like Bakelite, and then there were the uh, Mm -hmm. I beams, or the beams as I recall, that uh, had uh, this this writing or the symbols written across the uh, inner surface of it. And that was the most uh, intriguing part of this whole thing. Uh, These uh, were very small beams, maybe a quarter of an inch in uh, diameter or at least cross sectional area. And when he held up the light, there was a uh, uh, some purple-type writing or symbols on the inside surface. And uh, I guess the longest beam that I could see was about 12 to 18 inches long.
1: On the ends, um, could you tell whether they had been broken off, burned off, was the uh, debris... Obviously, uh, fire damage or crash damaged.
2: You know, I I really don't recall whether the uh, the ends were cleanly uh, uh, cut or whether they were fractured. You know, it's uh, just uh, didn't make an impression on me. Uh, the biggest impression was the writing on it.
1: Okay, you mentioned some dark material. Yeah,
2: there was uh, like uh, pieces of broken plastic, like a bakelite or uh,
1: bakelite. Yeah, uh, things of this nature. Um, did you happen to look at the side of that and notice whether it was finely layered material or it was solid?
2: Uh the uh the plastic? Yes, sir. Uh no you know, if you want to oh compare it to anything it looked like a broken phonograph record. You know, pieces of uh you know the old broken uh
1: records.
3: Uh-huh. It
1: didn't seem to be
2: layered or anything like that.
1: Okay. Um your dad then must have sort of told you the story about what he found um did did he only tell you about debris or was there ever mention of more uh what would be considered to be a craft or anything more
2: no yeah the only thing he mentioned was uh the debris he said uh, he had picked uh, a portion of this material up uh with another gentleman out there and uh actually it was a friend of our family i think his name was Cabot at that time mm-hmm. and uh they were heading into the airbase with the material and uh, since our house was on the way to the air base he swung by the house to uh, show it to my mother and myself as that he considered it to be so unusual.
3: Did
1: so he
2: just look at it.
1: Right. Did he indicate there was uh, a, a lot more debris out there and he had only part of it or was that it?
2: Yeah no my feeling was that this was only a small part of what was out there.
1: Okay. Um Did you, when your father then, how long, what, once he left, I, did he gather up all the material? Did he leave some with you? I re- seem to recall in the movie that, that some had been left with you.
2: Uh, well, that was just part of the movie. No, we, he gathered it all up and uh, we put it back in the boxes and the uh, uh, back of the 42 Buick and then he, uh, he left for the airbase and I went back to bed and that was the end of that.
1: And that was the end of that?
2: Yeah, until uh, a day or two later when he came back home.
1: So he was gone that long?
2: Uh yes. And uh my understanding now is uh, that uh he uh helped you know, consign or he flew the stuff to uh all the Fort Worth Air Base and uh what uh, was in what was to be Carswell Air Force Base and uh he left it there and came back the next day and uh, uh I do remember him uh, coming in and saying, uh talk to my mother and myself about this and uh, as uh, something that we are not to discuss again. It's, uh, it's just something that didn't happen, just uh, treated as a non-event, and uh, that's exactly what we
1: did. Can you remember his demeanor at that time? In other words, when he talked to you and said, look, it was a non-event, this never happened, uh, it's got to be a secret or whatever, what was his demeanor like, or did you, do you even recall that?
2: I don't recall that, but I would think it would be pretty serious. You know, He uh, wanted to make a point that... Uh, we're, we're not to discuss this issue again
1: and by then it was hitting the headlines all over the place i mean it was uh... the roswell radio station the one i'm on right now uh, as a matter of fact and the newspaper and newspapers and then papers all over the country at that point we're making a great big deal out of it did that impact you
2: well we just heard about that later that uh... there was big uh... publicity splash about that as a matter of fact, uh, sometime after this happened, uh, I guess my dad had a friend in, in uh, China, I'm not sure where, Singapore, not Singapore, but uh, uh, Peking, who uh, sent him a, a clipping out of the newspaper there. <laughs> so it, actually so newspaper it made it all the way China, over
1: there, yeah. 1947. Um, over the years... How many times, I bet it's been a million, have you <laughs> sat down and tried to remember the details of all this again and again and again?
2: Yeah, I've, I've tried many, many times, and, uh, you know, you can just get so much water out of a,
3: That's <laughs> right. out of
2: a turnip. And, uh, you know, because I guess one of the problem is I saw this for a total of maybe 15 or 20 minutes uh, total, you know, tops, uh, about 50 years ago. And, uh the only reason i remember any of it at all is because it was such an unusual event you know uh, the material itself had a very unusual characteristic and uh... and that's the only reason i remember this happening at all
1: all right in the movie uh... and that's my only reference other than books uh... they talked about the foil uh... foil material mm-hmm. and it it almost looked magical as though it you would crumple it and it would just suddenly return to shape
2: yeah i uh... heard other people describe that uh, physical attribute. Uh, I did not witness that myself. I didn't try to fold it up or bend it or tear it or do anything like that. So I just looked at it and, and uh, just carefully uh, put it back down. I didn't uh, try to do anything with it.
1: Do you think that what you saw could have been a balloon? No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: not a balloon,
1: no. Not a balloon.
2: Uh,. One thing too that really uh, strikes home with that is that uh, now I saw pictures of my dad in General Ramey's office uh, at Fort Worth uh, with uh, some debris that they said came from the Roswell crash site. Yeah,
1: that, that that was a famous shot they made him take, right? Yeah,
2: that uh, we were that, that supposedly that was the same stuff that was on the kitchen floor in Roswell.
1: Yes, sir. Not. Not uh not. Okay, so that's that's a for sure thing. That's yeah. easy to remember. That yeah, that's
2: the thing that really uh, brings home that, uh, boy, they're trying to do something here.
1: Okay, well, you know, I think about a year ago, uh, it was a year ago, the Air Force finally came out and said, well, we did lie. It wasn't a balloon. It was a balloon, mm-hmm. but a different kind of balloon, a very special balloon to try and detect Soviet nuclear testing. And... Can you imagine that being a possibility?
2: Well, you know, balloon is a balloon is a balloon. You know, there's not that much difference uh, between uh, what the mogul device would have been or what the weather balloon would have been or, you know, whatever they want to say about it. Uh, uh, there would be no confusion there.
1: Okay. In the years that passed, um, until your father died, did you have conversations with him about this?
2: We had uh, often known uh, oh, talks about this uh I uh, knew that he'd gone to Roswell a few times to uh, be interviewed, and people uh, begrudgingly he didn't really seek any uh, attention to this thing. But uh, people came to him, and uh, I remember the, one of the last times I talked to him on the telephone uh, about this. That uh, you know, he just come back from Roswell and, and was out at the crash site, or supposedly out at the crash site, and I asked him, well, jokingly, was there any of that debris out there? And he said, oh no, no, they vacuumed all that up. Uh, so obviously there was no scrap of it left,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, uh, I did try to uh, uh, confirm that uh, we saw the same thing. We re- re- remember the same thing, and I I said, "What was the color of the writing on that uh, on that beam?" And he said, "Oh, it was a violet purple." That's exactly what I uh, recall too. So we recall the same
1: uh, type of uh, physical characteristics. Whatever it was, it was not English.
2: Uh, no, no. You know, uh, when I first saw it, I, I thought. You know, as a little kid, you know, I thought, well, hey, this is, a look like hieroglyphics. And then, uh, but when you look at it, no, it wasn't hieroglyphics either. Uh, it was, uh, well, like geometric symbols of some kind. And I know the Air Force is trying to say, well, this was a, a flower pattern on some Scotch tape on some bolts of wood uh, that was used to fix tinfoil to the bolts of wood. Well, <laughs> no, it wasn't, uh, uh, Scotch tape with flowers on it. I would know that. And I, and I knew what uh, bolts of wood was because I built stick models all the time. And, uh,
1: this and was metal.
2: Not Baltimore.
1: This was metal.
2: This was metal. Yes.
1: Uh, do you recall? You must have hefted one or picked one up in your hand. Oh
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: Was it um, heavy as in iron? No, or?
2: no. It, it was a very light. You know, I don't recall uh, any any weight to it or mass to it at all. Just being like this, uh, like feather. You know, I don't <sighs> wanna remember something that wasn't there though. I mean, but it, in my recollection, it was a very light. Uh, Light structure.
1: Did your father, in later conversations, ever sit down and tell you the whole story, or did he hold this essentially uh, to the end?
2: No, he never uh, told me the whole story. Uh, the only story I know that came from him is uh, is through interviews that he gave to other people years after this event, but. Uh, we never sat down and discussed at length what this was, or at least uh, what he, you know, if the whole story is. You know, we always uh, considered it though to be something very unusual, uh, probably extraterrestrial. Though there is no question about that.
1: There have been many reports, and of course the movie did it up about the extraterrestrial bodies that were uh, um, captured, even some talking about one alive, that sort of thing. No mention of that from your father.
2: Not at all, because I think you know uh, if they were there, you know, that was uh, another uh, loop of information. And I guess you know with uh, compartmentalization, if you didn't have the need to know about other things, you were not in the loop to know about this other thing. So uh, 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 the event, I guess, was segmented, and those who had uh, privy to one part did not have privy to another part of the knowledge. Or the uh, event.
1: if we go back to uh, when it first occurred, when your dad brought all the boxes home and said it came from a flying saucer or something to that effect. Right, yeah. Um, what were your your father's qualifications? In other words, uh, would he have known what he was saying?
2: Well, you know, he was a base intelligence officer, so I assume he would know what he was talking about. You know, uh, you know he was uh, you know, uh, in on aircraft accident investigations and uh, mm-hmm. certainly flew enough during the war to know what... Uh, what radar targets and uh, things like that would have been, and as a matter of fact, he uh, went to radar school to uh, to learn about uh, different types of radar targets and uh, kites and so forth. So he, he knew, you know, he had training uh, to delineate uh, the difference between what we saw and and what the Air Force says we saw.
1: So that was a man who would have known exactly what he was seeing.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Or at least for certain, what he wasn't seeing.
2: Yeah, he uh, uh, exactly.
1: What about your mom? Uh, How did she take all this, and did you notice after uh, your dad came back that there was any difference in your mom's take on everything? Did she suddenly quiet down about it?
2: Well, you know, we just didn't discuss it to to my memory. You know, uh, this is uh, going back a long time ago now, and I don't really recall that it really had any uh, big impact on our lives at that point because we just uh, forgot about it. You know, I said, well, this is what happens uh... just forget it
1: over the next few days uh... well let's see this occurred in july so you weren't in school then were you that's correct um, had the story ballooned and was it big by the time you did get back to school that year
2: no i think it been pretty well uh... buried by that time
1: buried by that time uh... when when did the interest or the rush of interest come back and people began trying to interview uh, your father in the press, you know, trying to get as much as they could from your father.
2: Well, you know, uh, not for for years, no. Uh, as a matter of fact, the first uh, interview I'm, I know that my dad officially gave to was uh, Stan Friedman, and uh, uh, that was in 1978,
1: I believe. Stan is a good friend. He's oh, yeah. He's a very, very, very nice guy. guy. Mm-hmm. Very nice guy. Um, of course... Nobody thought to take photographs or anything like that at one thirty or 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no. <laughs> no such thing
2: as a Polaroid camera then or even a camera that we had in the house.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: I just wish, well, I tell you what, had we kept a piece of it uh, for souvenirs, we would not have it now.
1: You don't think so? No. Did they come back at any point? Did officers or people, do you recall anybody coming to your house... And interviewing your father or your mother or even yourself?
2: No, no, uh, nothing like that happened.
1: Then why do you think, had you held a pe- uh, onto a piece, squirreled a piece away somewhere?
2: Oh, I would have uh, let somebody know uh, that I had a piece of it. <laughs> and, uh,
1: like every kid in, yeah. in the world would?
2: Yeah, that's right. And I, you know, I don't, don't think I'd have it now. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: um, there have been stories that there were large crews that went out to in quotes vacuum up the area. hmm Um, do you know anything about that? Uh did your dad say that? He he did say they vacuumed the area. Yeah those
2: but... were his words and uh that was uh when I was talking to him and I, I know it was um uh, today that the conversation was in nineteen eighty. Nineteen
1: eighty.
2: Yeah, November December nineteen eighty.
1: Did he ever tell you how many had it, had been involved in that cleanup? No. I'm not sure he he knew. You no. know the movie showed uh Looked like a hundred GIs out there yeah. crawling across the the, uh, the land. Yeah. All right, Doctor. Hold on. We're at the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back to you. My guest is Doctor Jesse Marcel Jr.
0: You're listening to Ark Bell Somewhere in Time tonight, featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 26th, 1996. Somewhere in time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 26th, 1996.
1: My guest from Montana is Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr., the son of Major Marcel of Roswell fame, and a lot more. We'll talk about that in a moment.
0: Now, we take you back to the night of September 26, 1996, on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time.
1: Back now to Dr. Marcel. Uh, doctor, uh, you said your dad woke you up about 1 or 2 in the morning or something like that. Yes, sir. When had the crash occurred do you know how 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 much earlier than that
2: you know i have no knowledge of uh, when it actually hurt uh, occurred
1: okay do you recall people talking about uh... having seen anything in the days or months or even years that followed uh... that crashed
2: Oh, not not all and you know of course there's always the scattered uh... flying saucer reporter ufo uh... there's always those uh but I don't recall anything specifically uh, as pertained to to the Roswell event in and of itself.
1: All right, sir. Do you remember um, the movie, the recent movie about Roswell? Yes. Uh Uh, When you sat down and watched that, was it a big laugh? Uh, Was uh, some of it accurate, a little bit of it uh, with a lot of dramatic license, or how would you characterize
2: it? Well, no, I think it uh, it was uh, a job well done. Uh, I think the events as depicted in 1947 were uh, pretty accurate. You know, with the exception of uh, them showing me keeping a piece that my dad had to go back and recoup, uh that didn't happen. Uh but I think uh, by and large, um it was pretty accurate. It was the nineteen forty seven. Were
1: you were you all consulted uh about the movie?
2: Oh you know, I guess they had uh i talked with Paul Davids, uh uh some of the other people with this and uh, they you know, kinda of shot the breeze about this, yeah.
1: Sure. Um, If your father had kept any debris, a piece to something, a little souvenir, do you think you would have found out about it?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would not have kept that a secret. No, we were pretty close.
1: Were there pieces? um, now, Now, I'm imagining there were quite a few GIs out there cleaning all this up. And they had to have manpower. Somebody had to do it. So, were there pieces that you saw that would have been small enough that were on your kitchen floor that somebody could have slipped them into a pocket?
2: Oh, well, certainly. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, uh, there was a smudge of it uh, that we dumped on the uh, kitchen floor that we later jokingly thought that, well, we probably, my mother probably
1: swept some of it out the back door. <laughs> right. and, in other uh, words, a few little pieces might have been left
2: yeah, from gathering a, them up. As a matter of fact, uh, about that time, uh, uh, approximately, we had laid a concrete slab in the back of the uh, uh, kitchen uh, door to mount a, a Bendix uh, washing machine on. <laughs> uh, oh, no. And we thought that, well, you know, th- if this happened before we laid that slab, there might be some of this underneath the slab. But I later talked to my dad. And he said, no, we laid this slab after this happened.
3: So. <laughs>
1: Very no like Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that was done afterward. Uh, could could there be? Uh, do you think there could be something left under that slab or around that slab? Well,
2: you know, it wouldn't be under because the slab was laid before this happened. Oh, okay. Uh, and you know, right now they they built an addition to the house over where the slab was, so that's pretty well <laughs> under under a building right now.
1: Uh-huh. Um. Is there anything about all of this that you recollect that you have never told anybody from the press?
2: I think I've been pretty well drained of
1: any. Pick kind of dry. Huh?
2: <laughs> I want to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: um, if I, I, I'm thinking of myself as your dad, and if I had found one thing, and and apparently when your dad came home, was he really excited?
2: Yeah, that I do recall. He was excited and. Uh, and obviously, you know, he was excited enough to uh, to uh, go a little bit out of his way to go by the house and wake us up. So, yes, he was uh,
1: enthusiastic over this thing. Okay, well, if he had that level of enthusiasm, uh, and then they gave him, uh, no doubt, some very stern talk about, look, this never happened,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and then he had been forced to hold up a balloon and tell a false story, that would uh, that'd go down pretty hard for a fairly proud man.
2: Well, you know, uh, I remember him saying later that uh, he didn't really mind because he was actually part of the cover. He He went along with this, you know, because this was uh, what he was told to do. And uh, as a soldier, he followed uh, the
1: orders. Of course. But still, to stand there with a balloon and to tell something that wasn't true would have gone down pretty... It could not have been easy for him.
3: Well,
2: I... no, I guess inwardly I'm not sure how what effect it had on him. Uh, it didn't outwardly it didn't seem to uh, bother him any.
1: What kind of dad was he? Was he a uh, a strict disciplinarian?
2: Uh... No, he was uh, <laughs> very generous uh with me and you know, I was the only kid, you know, uh spoiled brat, uh got just everything I wanted <laughs> and uh and uh, no, he was a very generous, uh, very uh, warm person with me.
1: Uh, doctor has all this in some way affected you now in life. Uh, I'm sure that everybody who knows the name Marcel asks you questions about this. Have you developed an interest in the subject, or have you gone the opposite way?
2: Well, you know what I do is uh, since this happened, I surmise that uh, uh, that we're not alone in the universe. So I I'm a very avid astronomer, and I read everything I can about cosmology. And that's why I find that uh, Martian meteorites so intriguing because this is the first crack in the door where uh, they're being able to prove perhaps that we are not alone; that there is certainly right. uh, life forms elsewhere, and as close as our doorstep on Mars.
1: So you so, are you are interested? Is this something absolutely. that you developed later in life, uh, or
2: no? This has been uh, since that time.
1: Since that time, so. It really did affect you then and for the years that immediately followed that. It wasn't something that picked up later in life no, when you no, began it. No,
2: Because uh, I always uh, took it to be what it was, and uh, and uh, I've always had my eyes to the sky. I, I will say I've never seen a UFO flying saucer. Uh, I keep looking.
1: Oh, I've seen one. It, it was a big, big triangular uh, yeah. sucker. It came about 150 feet above me. I'm yeah. out here near the uh, test area they call Dreamland. Mm-hmm. so.
2: Well, I keep looking, but I've never seen anything I could not identify.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, I guess what I would like to do is... uh, Here's a fact I've got. Um, When you interviewed John Kirby, I did, Uh, you laid a wonderful tape uh, Dr. Marcel had made of a telephone conversation you had with his father who had just taken a film crew to the site of the crash, which Dr. Marcel just mentioned. Um, Have you gone back, you went back to that site, uh, did you not and walk that same area?
2: Well, you know, no, you know, I have to say, I've never been to that exact site. I've been in the uh, proximity, uh, I've been out to the ranch, uh, but I've never been to the exact site.
1: Never gone to the site? No, sir. What drove you to become a doctor? Well, I guess
2: partly uh, family pressure. I my uncle was a doctor, and uh, uh, you know, I wanted to go in one of the fields of sciences, actually I was more interested in physical sciences like physics and uh right. uh chemistry but uh but uh because of uh oh, I have to admit pressures from the family, I went into medicine <laughs> I was interested in aviation or uh, going into physics and uh uh but I ended up up in medicine
1: interesting um if you had to do it all over again, would you change that direction and uh, instead move toward the sciences? Do you think? I
2: think I would. Yes, I definitely yeah. stay with the physical sciences. Um,
1: otherwise, what kind of man was your father? Um, um, a good was it a good solid uh, family relationship?
2: Oh, I think so. We were, you know, the three of us. We were close knit. Um, uh, uh, so you know, we did a lot of things together and. uh... I, like I say, we're a pretty close family.
1: Okay, again, I think a very important point is the the one thing that seemed truly to be extraterrestrial uh, as depicted in that movie was that foil that crumbled up and suddenly returned uh, mm-hmm. to its original shape. But you never saw one bit of that uh, in terms of. Did, did you put your hands on that foil at all?
2: Oh, yeah, I, I handled it and uh, looked at it. And, uh, but, I, you know, I, I didn't really think so much of the foil as I did the beam that had that writing on it. That was the thing that really started off. I didn't pay much attention to the foil or that bakelite debris. It was the uh, beam with the writing that really uh, uh, caught my eye.
1: You've seen uh, Russian writing, have you not?
2: Yes. Cyrillic really alphabet. Yeah.
1: yeah, not that. It not was that. No. It was not that. No. I would think the only people then that uh, th- that would uh, have the ability to put something up that would make it about the globe would be at that time. Possibly the Russians, and that—that uh, that was my best shot there at whether it might be their writing. If it wasn't their writing, no, it was, Then it I was cannot that. conceive of why we would do. What explanation again did they give for that? What the? Uh, I'm not sure what the the uh, military that that writing that you have talked about. Oh,
2: they—they oh, uh, they said it was a uh, tape. Uh, as a matter of fact, I got a call from one of the uh, Air Force declassification teams who I. Uh, and discussed with what I saw. He wanted to know what I saw, and I told him, and he said, well, this is what we think you saw. And I said, no, that's not what I saw. And, and he said, well, we think you saw a piece of scotch tape with some flowers on it uh, from some toy manufacturer back east with their, that they're using to put these kites back together with. And I said, no, that was not flowers, and it wasn't tape. And so we did not have a, uh, not much of an agreement there.
1: Okay, can you remember the beam, when you held the beam in your hand, uh, and you looked at the writing. Was it indented into the material the beam was made of? Was there an indentation that created this, or was it um, a paint, as it were, painted on?
2: You know, I uh, I do know it was kind of like a purple, violet, uh, metallic hue, and I and it was written inside the uh, the length of this uh, beam, and I don't recall really whether it was uh, whether it had texture. Uh, it looked like it would have, but, and maybe I, I ran my fingernail across it. Uh, I don't really know whether I did that or not. I don't want to remember something that didn't happen.
1: Right. Right. Have you ever uh, considered, and I'm sure you've been asked, uh, to undergo some sort of um, regressive uh, hypnosis to try and dredge? You know, it is, I think, possible to bring details from yeah. the human mind.
2: Well, you know, that was uh, tried at one time, but I think I'm a very poor for subject subject I'm not I'm not a real strong believer in it maybe it's true uh, maybe it's valid uh, and I guess I uh, I have a bias against it but so I, I don't think I was a very good subject for that
1: and you know I do too and I think that people who have strong wills are very very difficult to uh, hypnotize they simply will not allow you know allow it to occur to themselves mm-hmm. they won't yield that kind of control so perhaps so, so there's nothing to come from that I guess and were there any writings that your father left?
2: No, I've gone through. There. Well, we have uh, some of his records that we have not gone through. They're still in storage. And uh, oh. uh, I have not seen anything that he put down on, you know, a pen to paper on this thing. It's all word of mouth.
1: What happened to the car that held those parts? Sold.
2: Well, you know, we went on a vacation, uh, to Yellowstone National Park, and, uh, we were, this is that, well, first of all, we moved from Roswell to Washington, D.C., uh, then we went on a vacation to Yellowstone Park, and coming back to, from Yellowstone, we stopped in Cincinnati, Ohio, and got a 1950 Studebaker, traded the
1: car Traded the car, huh? Traded
2: the car in on a 1950 Studebaker.
1: Because one, of course, has to wonder whether some little artifact might have been left <laughs> with <Well, laughs> back good in of that bad. car. Yeah. And somebody, no doubt, bought that car and drove it around and mm-hmm. had no idea what that God was. I
2: don't know where it is now. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Well, um, I'm tempted to uh, dip to the phone lines, let people ask a couple of questions of you. I really, really want to thank you for staying up. Um, I know it's, uh, I guess you you had a long day today, and doctors have long days, period, so you've got another well, one coming tomorrow.
2: Yeah, it's, uh... Gets me kind of dragging after a while.
1: <laughs> what happens, uh, by the way, when 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 people come to you? Uh, they have UFO conferences, uh, it, probably now once a month, someplace, big ones, and I'm sure you get invited. Yes. Um, and, have you gone to any of them?
2: Yeah, I, I go to an occasional one uh, and just uh, kind of uh, just uh, regurgitate what I've already done today. You know, just uh, this evening, uh, just kind of go over uh, details and. Uh, Uh, I like to fold into my little talk or presentation the fact is that there's life elsewhere. I uh, like to talk about the the planetary systems that they're now describing and finding and uh, how the stuff of life is all over out there. So we're obviously not by ourselves.
1: Every new thing we find, every new discovery, leads clearly in the direction of life. Mars, Europa, new new planets. uh,
2: that little Martian meter may drive the, the nail, the final nail in the coffin of those who say there's no life elsewhere.
1: Were you surprised the other day when you heard the Clinton administration has scratched plans for a man trip to Mars? They're talking now about sending robots.
4: Well,
1: and you
2: know, robotic exploration uh, can be very effective, too, and it's sure. certainly a lot more cost-effective. And uh, it's certainly not as uh, glamorous as sending a man to Mars, which we will do one of these days, but... Uh, but if we get there first, just with uh, robotic exploration, mm-hmm. uh, so be it. Because uh, that can uh, uh, yield extremely valuable information, too.
1: Have you looked at some of the research done uh, by the likes of Richard Hoagland, the monuments of Mars, the face on Mars, so forth and so on?
2: Um, well, it's fascinating.
1: Isn't it? Uh, it is indeed. and And to consider that there was life millions of years ago at the microbial level says to me, uh, had there been a different atmosphere, life, of course, could have come and gone and left monuments that we now see, and for all we know, we could be ancestors of well, that life.
2: you know, uh, actually, I think Mars, the uh, conditions right for life, died too soon for any uh, advanced civilization to have developed. Uh, if those monuments on Mars are really what we think they might be, they have to be put there by extraterrestrials.
1: So you're uh, you're you're from outside
2: you're, of the solar system.
1: you're really almost a firm believer then, aren't you? I am
2: absolutely a firm
1: believer. Um, how do you now remember your dad? as just a a very good father and family man.
2: Well, you know, uh, as time goes on, you tend to remember the good things and forget the bad things. And uh, yes, I remember him very warmly now, and uh, I certainly miss his uh, presence.
1: Yes, indeed. Well, it's been... I uh
2: kind of regret, you know, because I'm having to take the heat now that he took for so long. And, uh, <laughs> that's
1: right. That's right. And, and poor old you, you were just 12 years old. Yeah, just a little probably, shit,
2: you know, here it is, you know, 50 years later.
1: A little foggy-eyed at 1 or 2 in the morning yeah. and trying to always recollect things from <laughs> Yikes. Right. All right, uh, let me take one quick call and uh, see if somebody's got a question for you. Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Dr. Jesse Marcel. Hello.
5: Hi, how are you doing tonight, Art?
1: Fine, where are you, sir?
5: I'm in Las Vegas.
1: Las Vegas, all right.
5: Yep, uh, i just been fascinated that you're having Jesse on the show tonight, Junior. It's beautiful, and I was just wondering, when he handled any of that material, did he get a hold of any soft materials, and did he get sick later, him or his dick?
1: All right, that's good. Did anybody get ill or any any anything at all unusual that you would attribute to the handling of that material? Good yeah, question.
5: people asked
2: uh, about this, but no, there was no uh, uh, no unusual events there. Uh, you know, they asked me if they had any strange odor, no, I don't recall anything like that and certainly no sickness that I could attribute to that. No strange viruses, I guess.
1: The um again going back to that material, the anomalous material that seemed to snap back into shape. Um, if, if you didn't do that and you didn't note that, uh, the movie, I'm, I'm trying to recall, had some young lady, I think, who did that and, and the details are kind of foggy right now, but, um, uh, did you hear anything at all about that? Uh, yeah, not
2: at the time. You know, this, only years later when they started, you know, when people started coming out talking about this, uh, did that, uh, attribute, uh, become known to me? Oh, I did. Do remember that my dad saying that he had one of his men take a sledgehammer and try to indent a larger piece of the metal and
1: couldn't even scratch it of the of the very light aluminum light yes uh, I
2: remember him saying that uh, but as far as uh, the metal with the memory, I don't recall him ever saying anything like that, but I heard other people talk about that, but not for years
1: after this event. so it's possible that that was myth
2: oh uh, i didn't I didn't witness it
1: you didn't witness it well what I really do appreciate is you're coming on here and telling us what you did witness and now I know and now everybody else knows uh, doctor it has been a distinct pleasure I know you've got a, a very very long day coming up
2: and it is unfortunate I would love to continue this for hours but unfortunately you know the, the hour grows late and uh, early morning hours are coming up to me right
1: now so doctor Marcel thank you Well, thank you very much, Art. Take Take care, sir. That's Dr. Jesse Marcel, and uh, he's the man who was there. And so there you've heard it, his own words. And that may help some of you separate myth uh, from reality. And it sounded very much to me as though uh, he didn't embellish a thing and told us all he could remember. Isn't that
0: something? You're listening to Art Bell Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 26th, 1996. presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired September 26th, 1996.
1: Let me tell you how unusual a night we're having. There was, as you know, a full moon eclipse. I saw it. It was a red moon. Incredible. It is a big full moon out there tonight. There are magnetic storms washing over the Earth as we speak. I'm a shortwave person, as you know, and I monitor uh, uh, generally a lot of frequencies, and the broadcast band is down, propagation is down, WWV on 5 megahertz is barely audible. We must be awash with uh, radiation. That's all I can say. It's one of those nights, one of those old moon nights. And it is kind of strange out there, so I would say buckle in and get ready for just about anything. In the Middle East, we are trying to arrange, everybody's trying to arrange, peace. Because they have what could turn into a civil war going on there. Fifty-five dead, if you count those dead on both sides, Palestinian and Israeli. And um, I don't know. I don't think this is going to work out. It was all about a tunnel near a holy place. The tunnel is still there. They're not going to remove it. Uh, there are tanks and helicopters now. The fighting continues. Egypt's president is trying to arrange a three way meeting in Cairo, maybe on Friday. We're putting pressure on the Israelis and doing everything but criticizing them publicly. If you read between the lines, we have done so. And I'm not sure what to say about it, except that I never did think that it was going to work. I believe as I believe Benjamin Netanyahu believes, that ultimately, um, and at least in our lifetimes, let me qualify that, in our lifetimes, and perhaps that of our children, the Israelis are only going to be sustained by strength. And that peace accords with the Palestinians and ultimately uh, with Syria are not going to work. You can't make peace with people who want you dead, who want you to not exist. And it's not going to work. And it's not working. The Senate sustained the abortion veto, And so uh, there shall be uh, partial birth abortions. They will continue. Uh, The president signed the maternity bill, keeping gals in the hospital for uh, 48 hours minimum. Shannon Lucid is back, reclining in a big chair so she can get reacquainted with gravity. Newt Gingrich is in trouble. Democrats and Republicans on the committee that is investigating him have voted unanimously, unanimously, to expand the investigation. However, uh, however, it turns out, it will not be known until after the election. So, um, it is bad news for Gingrich, but new, uh, good news, I suppose, uh, for Bob Dole, who doesn't need a disabled Newt Gingrich right now. We'll have to see where that goes. Democrats, of course, calling for him to resign immediately from office. A judge in San Jose, California, has sentenced Richard Davis to death, and Miller, in a statement just before he was to receive sentence, loud in court, that Polly Class had begged him not to do her as her father had done her. And at that point, her father lunged at this bastard, and uh, if he could, probably would have killed him. And um, I know it's a horrible thing to say, but it's too bad they don't have guns in courtrooms, because I kind of wish he had killed him. And I'll tell you something, if it had been me, I'd have tried to figure out there's a way to get guns in. You know, it can be done. There are guns that are largely uh, a composite material. And if I, if, if I had been that father, I would have done my damnedest to get something in there to kill that bastard with. And if he'd have said something like that, that would have been, of course, way over the line. And, um, and I, I recall the movie Seven. I wonder if you remember the movie Seven. If you haven't seen it, you should if you can handle heavy material. And uh, at the very end of that movie, uh, there was a police officer whose wife had been killed. And he was just receiving that information as he drew a bead on the killer. And it was a very dramatic moment in the movie. And you could see in that man's head the wheels turning, knowing he was a cop, knowing he couldn't uh, put a bullet in this guy because he was a cop, But knowing that the guy at the end of the barrel had just murdered horribly his wife. And you could see him torn for a period of time. And had it ended any other way, I could not have handled it. He blew that guy away. And I would have too. And it's funny, when I saw that courtroom scene yesterday with uh, Mr. Class. I thought of the movie Seven, and, and I thought if I can tell you I would have killed. Given uh, any opportunity, I would have killed. Have you ever wondered about that? What would bring you to the point where you would kill? Well, that's an easy call for me, and uh, I would have done it without remorse. Without remorse. Goodbye. Do whatever you're going to do in the next life. Be judged there because you're out of here now. No ten years on appeals here. I'd have strangled him. I'd have put something around his throat. I'd have broken his neck or if I could have gotten a gun in, I'd have shot him. So I don't blame him. And I wonder how you reacted to it. Believe it or not, uh, President Clinton is on the way toward a Nobel Peace Prize for what he has done in Bosnia wonder if they ought to wait until the troops leave, if they do, as he promised, before they issue this. Because I've got a feeling that uh, Bosnia is going to return to exactly what it was when we leave. If we leave. Maybe to keep the Nobel, the pro- uh, troops are going to have to stay there. I don't know. Here is the story, uh, the Associated Press story. Thank you to m- one of my affiliates, on that six-year-old child. Talked about that a few days ago. These days, a kiss isn't just a kiss, not even in the first grade. A six-year-old boy who kissed a girl on the cheek was, as you must have heard by now, suspended last week on the grounds of sexual harassment. Jackie Prevett said the school overreacted to an innocent peck on the cheek by banishing her son, Jonathan, to a room apart from his classmates. Jonathan, uh, Jonathan said the girl asked him to kiss her. That he was expressing friendship according to the mother. Now, of course, insanity. Sexual harassment? A six year old kissing a six year old? A peck on the cheek? <laughs> it's almost too insane to imagine, and yet in today's world um, it occurs. I asked you the other night, and will again this morning, to come up with a presidential promise. There is absolutely no reason for you to keep it. We know that nominees promise you anything and uh, never deliver. So if you were going to run for president, what would you promise? The American people, to get their vote, to ensure getting yourself into the White House, what would you promise? No limits uh no reason to keep the promise. I'm just asking you if you were going to concoct a big one you know, a really big one, to entice the American people to vote for you, what would it be? Kevin and Rebecca, listening to Kern in Bakersfield, sent me some emails, said Art, here's a presidential promise for reelection from President Clinton. I promise a blonde in every bedroom. <laughs> And I've got a couple of little things here I wanted to read you. A boy was crossing a road one day when a frog called out to him and said, If you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. Bending over, he picked the frog up, put it in his pocket, began to walk off. The somewhat agitated frog, at this point, spoke up again and said, If you kiss me and turn me back into a beautiful princess, I'll stay with you for one week. Well, the boy took the frog out of his pocket and looked at it, thought for a moment, smiled, put it back. Well, now the frog was getting really quite huffy, cried out, Okay, look, if you kiss me and turn me into a beautiful princess, I'll stay with you and do anything you want me to do. Well, he stopped again, took the frog out, smiled at it, put it back in his pocket, and proceeded apace. Finally, the frog began yelling, What the hell's the matter with you? I've told you I'm a beautiful princess. I've said I'd stay with you for a whole week and offered to do anything you want. Why won't you kiss me? The boy said, Look, I'm an engineer. I don't have time for a girlfriend, but a talking frog is really cool. (laughs) That would certainly be the answer of an engineer. huh? Uh, Sorry, I don't have time for a girlfriend, but you know, a talking frog. Well, that's really cool. Then there's one more little one, and then we'll just open the lines and see what the night brings, but I thought this was cute. Two hunters got a pilot to fly them into the far north for elk hunting. They were quite successful in their venture and bagged six big bucks. So the pilot came back as arranged to pick them up. They began loading their gear into the plane, including these six elk but the pilot objected and said, Look, the plane can only take out four of your elk. You'll have to leave two behind. So they argued with him. The year before, they had also shot six, and the pilot had allowed them to put all on board. The plane was just the same model and capacity as this one. Reluctantly, the pilot finally permitted them to put all six aboard, but when they attempted to take off and leave the valley where they were, The little plane couldn't make it, and crashed into the wilderness. Climbing out of the wreckage, one hunter said to the other, Do you have any idea where we are? Replied the other, I think so. I think this is about where the same place, the last plane crashed, last year. (laughs) By the way, uh, one other little item, the Israelis besides uh, having uh, terrible problems with the uh, Palestinians right now, and the other way around, I suppose, are seeing UFOs, massive reports of UFOs, egg-shaped spacecrafts, they say. And uh, this is being reported in, uh, well, as a matter of fact, this is an Associated Press article I've got, Some blame it on an invasion of American culture, but I think not. I think something is going on in the area of Israel, and I just thought I would pass it on to you, but the number of reports coming from Israel have quadrupled. I mean, there are just all kinds of reports coming from the Middle East now of UFOs. What do you make
0: out of that? Now, we take you back to the night of September 26th, 1996, on Art Bell's Somewhere in Time.
1: One last thing he says again. Uh, from a Science in Brief article there is a Japanese satellite that was just put up and took a photograph, uh, which has been rendered then in various colors, so we might know what we're seeing, of the Earth's ozone hole. And the image above, and I've got it here, um, shown by the newest Japanese satellite to be launched, uh, shows a rapidly developing uh, late winter Antarctic ozone hole. And it is a big hole. I mean, we're not talking about what you've typically seen, and I, you remember you've seen pictures of the Earth with a sort of strangely inkblot-shaped little hole that sort of rotates around uh, the Antarctic area. This thing would appear to be covering, I'm going to guess, at about between a third, about a third of the globe about a third of the globe, a gigantic ozone hole. And uh, the person that sent me this said uh, Shades of uh, Ed Dames. Huh, art. And it sure is. And I don't know about global warming. I've always uh, had an open mind, and I've been unsure about those who talk about global warming. But I think this ozone hole thing is for real. Just thought I'd pass that along. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi.
6: Hi, Art. This is Jason from Fresno, California via KMJ.
1: KMJ, of course.
6: um, I'm going to make two comments, and then I'm going to get off the radio. All right. Number one, uh, three nights ago, when you were talking about the uh, midnight paralysis or the paralysis in the middle of the night.
1: Talking about the, yes, well, we had a big guest on that last night, yes.
6: It almost gave me a heart attack because that also happened to me. And I know you don't want any more reports, but it is a real phenomenon. Oh, I know. And, uh, number two, the caller that had just called in and talked about, um, the man in Florida, you need to look that up. I'm sure there's going to be other callers that know his name, but it's something like, like Rasputin or Ralph Summite, um, in search of did a, an expose on him.
1: And, and so uh, how did they determine he moved the stones?
6: They cannot be moved at, at this day. They're so heavy, no, uh, mechanical device can lift them at this day yet they are in really nice, coordinated, um, like clockwork positions where people that are only like 20 or 40 uh, pounds, little kids can push them and they'll turn. You have to see it for yourself. It's called um, something garden in Florida. All right. I'm sure a lot of callers are going to call in and tell you all about I'm it. I'm sure
1: they are. Uh, all right. All right, thank you very much. Uh, so apparently some structure built in a way that nobody is able to understand. I wonder what the best speculation is about how he did it, and he wouldn't show anybody. Maybe he had the same secrets the Egyptians had, huh? What do you think? What do you think they're going to find inside the Sphinx? Are you um, disturbed, upset, that they're going to be opening this in December? I have mixed feelings about it, and I'm going to be interested to speak with uh, Mr. Buval and uh, Mr. Hancock tomorrow night. They are adamantly opposed at this point to the opening of this chamber in the manner in which it's going to be opened There are others who are uh, very much interested in it's being opened. And I'm going to have to shut my mouth or I'm going to uh, get in trouble here. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello. Yes, hello, Art. Yes, sir. Could you tell me more
7: about uh, Newt Gingrich? Uh, I didn't uh, catch anything about that.
1: Well, uh, he is accused, and it's not all out in the public right now, of may be making some bad tax moves with regard to a course that he held. And um, they are investigating that, and apparently more, because they're going to expand the investigation. So that's about all I know. There are tax questions. And uh, the uh, the network coverage I saw last night on NBC seemed to feel it was really big trouble for Newt Gingrich. I don't know I would say that right now. I, I don't know.
2: Uh, with all the trouble that Clinton's been in? Yeah. And now they're no, to hammer a good him? Point.
1: It's good point. Well, there is a certain revenge factor here. You may recall the last Speaker of the House who had to leave. Foley? Uh You may recall Newt Gingrich uh, had quite a bit to do with that. Uh-huh. And I think there is a big revenge factor here. However it's worth bearing in mind that the uh, ethics committee investigating voted uh, unanimously to expand the investigation. That means all the Republicans on it as well. So maybe there is something here.
7: Okay, well, thanks, Art. I just want to let you know that I'm John calling
2: from uh, Milwaukee on... uh,
1: What what station is this? What station is this? WTMJ. WTMJ. All right, thank you very much. That would be my take on it. Uh, It was a unanimous vote. And the Republicans on that ethics committee well understand the political implications of joining in such a vote at such a moment just before the election. Uh, So my inclination is to think, and I, I certainly don't want to, but to think they obviously feel there is something substantial to this or they would have gone out of their way not to join in. Does that make sense to you? So, I don't know. Tax problems? More from Mr. Gingrich? We will see. You're listening to live, unscreened, open talk radio on a full moon night with magnetic storms and more. It should be a hoot. Stay right where you are.
0: You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight, featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 26, 1996. Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 26, 1996.
1: All right, I can't go into a lot of detail on this right now for reasons that may become apparent to you tomorrow night, but there is some pretty heavy-duty stuff going on in Egypt with regard to the Sphinx and the opening of the chambers below the Sphinx. And uh, there's a big struggle going on, and I got some calls earlier today, and I, there, there's a lot of things right now that, or for the sake of the individuals involved, I'm not going to discuss on the air tonight. But I am going to tell you this. Nearly anything can happen tomorrow night. Uh, as you know, in the first hour of the program, I've got Sitchens uh scheduled, and in the second hour, beginning in the second hour, Graham Hancock and Robert boulal are going to be here. And I wish I could tell you more right now, but it might disturb things, so I'm not going to. Uh, but I can tell you there is a great power struggle going on, the likes of which you can barely imagine. Uh, some reading on Richard Hoagland's web page available through mine might uh go some way toward explaining that to you first time caller line you're on the air. Hi,
8: hi. I'm Mallory Cross in Missoula, Montana. Why well, hi shall I give you my my phone number? Is this the art bell program?
1: uh this is art bell no don't 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 give us your uh phone number. you'd be giving that to millions of people. You don't nope. want to do that.
8: Okay, well, you mean I'm actually on the radio? Yeah, hear me. I'm calling about Tomorrow Night, the Pyramids, Sam yes. Hancock and Robert Duval.
3: Because y- I just
8: moved here from Spain. Yes. Uh, three months ago, and I wrote him a letter when I read his book in June, and I have two books, but he hasn't answered. Maybe he didn't get it. I have two books about pyramids found in South America. Would
1: you turn your radio off for us, please?
8: Oh, yeah, does that confuse it?
1: Uh, yes. Uh-huh.
8: Um, I have a book written in 1935 that uh, diary of a man who went in with a group and they found somewhere between Brazil and Venezuela pyramids with perhaps survivors they thought might have been the slaves of the people who built the pyramids surrounded by such high mountains. Nobody could ever figure out where they were after and they found gold objects and they found all sorts of things about the pyramids related to the kind of thing he wrote in his book.
1: Well, as a matter and I of how... want
8: to communicate with him.
1: All right, well, he'll be here tomorrow night, so call in. Yeah, but
8: I've been calling you for one hour and one half every few seconds to get through. And that's why I called. uh That's why I want you, at least, or somebody, to have uh, have a way that Hancock can... can uh, can contact me because I have another book about the, okay, well, you the. heard about the stones in Ica, Peru that have engravings on them from the time of the yes. dinosaurs?
1: Yes, I have. Uh, well, would, well, I have that
8: book in Spanish. Okay,
1: ma'am. Ma'am? Yeah. You're going to have to communicate with me in another way. I'm the only one here right now. I can't take your number. Okay,
8: can you give me some other way to communicate with you?
1: Um, yes, call this number before the show tomorrow.
8: Yeah? What time does that mean?
1: Five minutes before, ten minutes? Uh, Yeah, five or ten minutes. uh, Anywhere from a half hour on uh, before the program.
8: Okay.
1: All right. I'll look forward to that. Uh, Thank you. That's the best I can do for you. Obviously, I'm in the middle of a program right now, so I can't just stop and do it. I try to answer calls, I guess I should tell all of you, as I'm able to before and sometimes after a program. I can't always do it, but I try to do the best I can. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Going once. Uh, Art. Yes.
9: I'm, I'm calling from Fort Myers, Florida. Well, good morning. Uh, good morning. Um, um, we week or so ago, on one of your programs, you mentioned a book that was written by a gentleman. I believe it was about an incident that happened in the Gulf War on the USS George Washington. Do you recall that book?
1: No, I don't, ma'am.
9: Is there any way um, you could research later on and mention that?
1: What was the incident?
9: Beg What
1: was the incident?
9: The book was about an incident. You didn't say. You just said it was an incident that the government or the Navy had kept secret or something until now. And this gentleman, I thought you said the author's name was Hudson, but I cannot get any information. Oh, for.
1: you're referring to a book called Black Alert. Yes. Is that right?
9: It
1: was Black something. Black Alert. Yep. That's a a book that we advertised for a while, written by Julian Hudson. Um, And I'm going to tell you the best way I think that you can proceed, and that is to contact my network, uh, and I'd be glad to give you the number.
9: Okay.
1: It's area code 541-664-8829.
9: Eight two nine. Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. And, and be... the
9: last name is H-U-D-S-O-N? Yes. Okay, because I went to Barnes and my local Barnes and Noble, and they don't have anything on it.
1: Okay, well, um, if it, you probably didn't have the title, and you didn't no, have, the, didn't. You didn't did have the author's name, so they wouldn't be able to look it up. Now that you've got the title and the author's name, they can order it.
3: Oh,
8: okay. Okay? Okay, I sure do appreciate it.
1: Okay, take care. When you go to a bookstore, uh, generally you've got to have something to go on. You can't say a book about this is something that happened in the Gulf War. You've got to have the author's name or the uh, title of the book. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Art Bell. Yes.
10: How's it going? My name's Rick in Arvada. Hello. And I'm listening to you on KL.
1: Yes, sir, in Denver.
10: Yeah, and I was wondering. Um, I've been reading this book lately. It's called The Illuminatus Trilogy. And I was wondering if you had um, knew anything about the Illuminatus.
1: Not allowed to say anything about it.
10: You're not allowed.
1: No, as a 99th degree Mason, they they won't let me talk about the Illuminati.
10: So you're a 99th degree Mason.
1: If you wish to believe that.
10: <laughs>
1: what do you want to say about the Illuminati?
10: Well, I was just wondering um, if you had any insight onto what was going on because I've been reading that book for a while. Well,
1: then you should have insight. What well, what did the book teach you?
10: The book is just teaching me a lot of weird stuff.
1: Is it?
3: There's
10: A lot of startling. Uh, you know realities into it, and it, just wondering, if, you know, what you thought about that whole situation, or if you believe that it's real or not.
1: Not particularly.
10: Not particularly.
1: To tell you the truth.
10: Well, yeah, you know, but I guess the book um, never got a chance to be classified as fiction or not.
1: <laughs> <It seems as> <laughs> a- <laughs> How do you view it?
10: Well, I don't know. I think maybe that it's not real.
1: Maybe that it's not real. Well, then, regard it as entertainment and enjoy reading, sir. (laughs) East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Oh, Art. Yes.
11: Yeah, they discovered another asteroid that's near the Earth, but they said that it will miss the Earth. Did you hear about that?
1: No, but they're always discovering asteroids that are going to be near misses, and what I always wonder is whether we're going to hear about the one that will get us.
6: Yeah, well, well, there's going I to mean, be... I mean, will there
1: be an Associated Press story? Will Dan rather sit there and say, well, scientists today discovered an asteroid six to eight miles wide that is going to impact the Earth on Saturday? Oh, You think, you think you'd hear about that?
12: I, I believe so.
1: <laughs> I think more likely you would uh, see the breaking news logo after you felt the ground shake, uh, and you would uh, hear CNN begin to report about what had just hit Earth. That's what I think is more likely.
11: Yes. <laughs> yeah, we always hear about it to when it's too late.
1: Exactly. Uh, like the bullet, sir, uh, you never hear the one or see the one that gets you. And uh, I'm told by astronomers, uh, amateur and uh, professional alike, that that is probably true. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Hello there. Yes. Hello. Hello. Hello.
13: This is the Art Bell Show.
1: Uh, good guess.
13: Great. I've been dialing... Uh, uh, for hours well,
1: um now you've made it
13: great um tonight we were watching the eclipse and we were into the uh uh talking about different things and we were and then we got into the discussion of the pyramid and i understand that you were talking about the pyramids oh yes and i have been i have read Graham. uh
1: Hancock's, so. uh,
13: Hancock's book, uh, uh, which was very intriguing, uh, The uh, Fingerprints of the Gods? Yes. Footprints of the Gods, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, Fingerprints, actually. Fingerprints? Mm-hmm.
13: Okay, I thought it was footprints, but okay, Fingerprints. But anyway, um, from reading and then his other cohorts that he mentions in the book, uh, uh, something about Osiris, I read his other book. Um, uh, I'm trying to speak uh, quickly, so uh, I don't take up too much of your time. But from all these different books about, uh, 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 I think it was uh, serpent. Um, I'm sorry, I, I can't think of all the. Uh, Sir, forget
1: on. the books. What are you trying to okay, say? Okay,
13: what I'm trying to say is all these different theories that uh, with the shafts and all these things. What happened? Uh, something came to me as a revelation of the way things are lined up uh, in the in the desert. Could. Could these pyramids have been beacons?
1: Well, you've asked uh, a central question that everybody is trying to answer. In other words, what are the pyramids? Why are they there? What lies beneath the Sphinx? Uh, And other chambers that have yet to be explored. Uh, There are many people, uh, knowledgeable people, who think that there is a virtual library of information within the Sphinx. Is entirely possible. There has been a a license issued to open uh, the Hidden Chamber of the Sphinx in December of this year. And I know a lot more about this right now than I can tell you about. A lot of it will become, I think, apparent tomorrow night. So in the interest of um, uh, not beginning a war here, I'm going to keep my mouth shut and uh, say that you should listen tomorrow night, and I don't guarantee what you're going to hear. If that sounds overly dramatic to you, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm trying to give you some sense that there's something dramatic, very dramatic going on without uh, getting into it for the sake of... uh, the fact that by tomorrow night it may be resolved, and I, I only hope that it is or it's going to be one rough ride uh, tomorrow night. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Uh,
14: yes, this is Nathan Collins from uh, San Antonio with the Mighty WAI. Hi there. I have a couple of questions. Okay. Uh, you mentioned about the tones the other day, and uh, I had gotten off work late. I missed the uh, the latter part of that conversation. What exactly were those tones that you were talking about?
1: Well, they, uh, you didn't hear the show?
14: Uh, no, I, I I missed the uh, okay. I missed number
1: one, you've got to turn your radio off, or we can't talk. Okay. Can you do that? Uh, yes. I'll wait. Okay, Jennifer, can
14: you turn it
1: down? Jennifer, thank you.
14: Yeah, <laughs> Jennifer, thank you. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, there were some tones, an auto dialer that broke into the middle of a conversation after two and a half hours, mm-hmm. and began to auto dial a certain number. We uh, traced that number. Or I should say, uh, determined what that number was, and it yields a very strange tone indeed. Um, so something was in the middle of our line after two and a half hours of the line being open between Whitley Streber and myself.
14: Oh, I see. Oh. Okay, that's it. Interesting. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, in fact, there was a Whitley strieber symposium up in Austin that I was going to go to. I, I heard about that. Did you heard about here? Had you heard about that? No. Okay, I, I missed that. I wanted to go see that. Uh, supposedly he was going to speak there. I've I'd, I'd been understanding that he was from San Antonio, and I wanted to hear him. But he is,
1: know. and I had him on the air for uh, three hours the other night. You missed it?
14: I did. I did. I listen to your show all the time, and I love it.
1: So you missed um, the show and you missed the symposium. <laughs>
14: yeah. I do have another question for you. Do you mind? No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, when we decide uh, actually to send a probe to Mars yes. um, and, ex- and explore it, yeah. Uh, do they have any landing sites that are picked? I-, I would imagine that the pyramids of Elysian or whatever they're called would be one major site, or those pyramids where the Sidonia, sir,
1: Sidonia is the region. Oh,
14: Sidonia. The...
1: Yes, um, but my feeling is they will not go to Sidonia. They don't want to go to Sidonia. I appreciate the call. They don't want to review with um, uh, orbiting craft Sidonia for some reason. NASA has a an aversion uh, to going back to Sidonia. You tell me why.
0: You're listening to Ark Bell Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 26th, 1996.
1: First-time caller line, you're on the air. Hi.
10: Hi, Art. How
6: are you? Fine. Good. This is Steve from Santa Barbara. Hi there. I had a uh, an idea. You know, the gentleman you were talking to last night, he was talking about out of body experiences and how he could go anywhere. Yes. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if he could like go to that chamber underneath the Sphinx and like report to you what he saw? That'd be great. And I thought, you know, he said he was pretty accurate when he was doing that with... hundred
1: uh, percent, Yeah. Said.
6: And maybe mm-hmm. would it be possible that you could arrange that with him?
1: Um, well, I mean, you have suggested it. I'm sure he's listening, so uh, maybe he'll do it.
6: That'd be great, because then we could find out more or less kind of a preview of what it would be.
1: Well, uh, we'll uh, I'm willing to take anybody's uh, remote-viewed uh, answer. We're going to know in December. And I do believe that it is going to go forward. So if you can remote view it, any psychics who want to make a rep for themselves, this is your chance. Those who uh, travel out of body, uh, those who um, have various means of uh, divining these things, uh, submit it to me now. Who knows, you might be right. Then you'll have a big rep after December when they find exactly what you have described. It is a wonderful opportunity. East of the Rockies, you're on the air.
15: Hey Art.
1: Hey sir. Art.
15: Yes. Uh, earlier you were talking about the movie Seven. Yes. Okay. At the end of it, did you? Uh, you may have to go back and watch it. He uh, didn't blow him away because he killed his wife. He blew him away because the wife was pregnant and it was the baby he had cut out and had in a box.
1: No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was her head.
15: Okay, we, we was watching it over the weekend, and a friend of mine told us that it was her pregnant baby. Well,
1: you probably uh, need to go back and rewatch it, sir. <laughs> okay, but uh, well,
15: the question I call better. Anyway, it, do-
1: it doesn't much matter, does it? Uh, well, which, not either way,
15: uh, he had it coming. Yeah, either and
1: either way, I put myself in that position, and it's an interesting question. That is to say, hold on the line for a second, sir. What it would take for you to kill? Have you ever thought about that? I thought about that today when I watched Polly Class's father take what I could not have I I could not have taken that of course they got him out of there very quickly because they knew that uh, uh, if he'd had an opportunity to kill the guy and I would have too I can tell you right now because I I really have sat down and I've thought about it if somebody killed a member of my family I would not uh, if I had the opportunity to settle matters myself uh, before the the police uh, settled them I would do that and i'd let a jury of my peers uh decide my fate and if it meant jail or worse then so be it if somebody broke into my house with intent on doing me harm i would have no compunction at all about blowing them away none and um, and i can assure you um if i were in a situation as mr class had been in if i could have put my hands around the guy's neck and choked the life out of him i would have done it uh go ahead sir
15: okay uh... <laughs> About the, you had your earlier interview with the man about the, the pieces from the crash?
1: The man was uh, Dr. Marcel. Yeah,
15: because yes. about the, the first 15 minutes, I'm calling from Little Rock, Arkansas, first 15 minutes, they didn't air your program. I didn't know if there was something in that 15 minutes they didn't want us to hear.
1: Oh, so, yes, that's or, where all the secrets were told.
15: I didn't know. I did, they had some about a man, uh, some some other show, and I guess it crossed the line, and I didn't know if there was something. I just didn't know if you guys were talking about something important. We missed I We caught the last 45 minutes. This first 15 minutes, they didn't air your
1: show. That's where he described the beings that he watched <laughs> He watched cut up on the table. Oh, so, okay. you so missed all that.
15: All right, so we didn't really miss nothing important in the
1: first... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you really didn't. Okay. All right? All right, all right thank you. Uh, we're talking about the recollections, I believe, accurate and honest of a young man who saw his father come home with what um, Dr. Marcel firmly today believes were uh, pieces of an extraterrestrial craft. Described calmly uh, and as best he was able to recall. By the way, uh, for those of you who did not hear it and have seen the movie, there's no. I asked him about the material, you know, that supposedly crumpled and then opened right back up again. And uh, Dr. Marcel recalls no such material. And did not personally attempt to do that, and did not see anybody else who did it. So short of the movie, which I'm disinclined to um, uh, to buy, I mean I think it was uh, it had took some dramatic license after all. Uh, they suggested uh, that Dr. Marcel had a piece that he kept, which he did not. Uh, so um, it is possible that that supposed material that crumpled, uh, really never was, and that may be urban legend myth, uh, ufology myth or something. At any rate, uh, there you are. It was a very interesting, honest, open interview. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Ark Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight, featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 26, 1996. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 26, 1996.
1: Good morning, everybody. I'm Art Bell, and it's good to be here. It is a Thursday morning. In the first hour of the program, we had uh, Dr. Jesse Marcel, Jr. on, interviewed him about his dad and what happened 50 years ago in Roswell and what he remembered. Sorry if you missed it. We're into open lines now, and anything you want to talk about is fair game. You know what's going on in Israel right now with the Palestinians, about 55 dead. And this is either going to resolve uh, itself peacefully at some point with all the overtures, or it's not. And the answer may be not. It may be the beginning of a civil war in Israel, what amounts to a civil war. And I never really did think that this was going to work out with the Palestinians. Obviously, it is not working out at the moment. And I don't think in the long term it is. And I don't think in our lifetimes the Israelis are going to make any sort of peace with the Palestinians or the Syrians. Uh, But it's a horrible situation, and it continues. Uh, Now, we were told about some place in Florida, a very interesting place last hour... And I, frankly, have not been familiar with it. Art, the place in Florida is called the Coral Castle. That's from Linda in Fresno. Then I got this, too. Art, I saw a report on that gentleman in Florida several years ago. He said he discovered the secrets of the Great Pyramids and how they were built. He then proceeded to build a house for his deceased wife, who died years before, stating the secrets also revealed time travel. A door of that house or to that house weighs four tons. It is perfectly balanced and can be moved with a finger. Also a two-ton perfectly balanced rocking chair. This man one day disappeared without a trace. Isn't that fascinating? Well, now, this one has escaped me somehow. Or this, dear Art. The place in Florida is called the Coral Castle. Here's, here it is again. I've been there. I'm trying to get through to you now. Uh, if you want, you can call me. Uh, blah, blah, blah. This is Stu in Fort Lauderdale in, in Florida. Well, maybe I'll call him. I've got his number here. I think I ought to call Stu and find out what he knows about this place and about this story. It's kind of interesting. Could he have discovered, do you suppose the secrets uh, the ancient Egyptians had and how in the world could he have done what he has done maybe I'll pick up the phone and call him
0: you're listening to Art Bell somewhere in time on premier radio networks tonight an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 26th 1996
1: Because I'm willing to do nearly anything anytime, Um, we have Stu down in Florida, and uh, he knows about this place called Coral Castle. Stu, welcome to the program. Uh, Wait a minute. There you are. Stu, are you there?
3: I'm
6: here.
1: Okay. What do you know about this place?
6: Okay. Pretty much uh, the the other fact you read was uh, there's this uh, very slight man from Latvia, is where he came from. He was like about maybe five foot two. Uh, weighed about 105 pounds and he built this house for his his supposedly sweetheart Mm
3: -hmm. and
6: the whole thing is carved out of solid slabs of coral and there's a two-story structure there uh, which is built out of solid slabs of coral and there's a a fence around the property which are made of the walls of the fence are made of slabs of coral if you go outside the perimeter you can see where the slabs of coral were lifted up out of the ground like if they were laid back down they would fill the hole completely But it's unimaginable how it was hewn out of a solid chunk of coral. And in this fence wall, there is a, I guess, a piece of coral maybe about four feet wide by about six or eight feet high.
16: There's
6: a spindle going through it. And it's so perfectly balanced that you can just push it with your finger and it'll spin around like a revolving revolving door. Uh, There's all sorts of astrological shapes carved out of coral mounted on the walls.
1: And this thing, Uh, these stones weigh tons?
6: Tons. Tons. And there's primitive blocks and tackle there. Supposedly he did it all by himself with primitive block and tackle. And hmm. they say he has is, he is known the secrets of how the pyramids were built.
1: Well, is that a myth or is, uh, is there some documentation? No, there's actually
6: no documentation. That no is
1: documentation. So uh, there's probably a lot of myth that has grown up about this, but still, how could he have done that?
6: Nobody knows. It's like nobody knows how we built the term. Nobody knows how this...
1: Well, if he really had the secret of how to do that, and or time travel and or uh, levitation, and uh, he's now dead?
6: Uh, supposedly, yes.
1: Supposedly dead or disappeared?
6: Yeah, I think Mysterious.
1: he's passed on. Passed on. But per-
6: it's a tourist attraction down in South Miami in the Homestead area.
1: Pretty selfish to, you know, leave the world with such incredible secrets.
6: Yeah, I would imagine so. And uh, it's a tourist attraction. I have some pictures of it that I've taken. If you'd like, I'll send them to you.
1: I would love it.
6: And uh, I'll try and get some information from them and send it out to you. Also, if you like their phone number, they're in the phone book.
1: Well, it wouldn't do me any good this time of the day, uh, but photographs would be wonderful.
6: Yeah, it's amazing. You look at it, you just wonder how somebody could have uh, done this all by themselves, even with some heavy
1: equipment. Well, I'll tell you what, if you send them, I'll put them up on the Internet. I will get them out to you. All right, my friend. Thank you. Take care, Stu. That's Stu in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So it's real. But it's hard for me to believe that somebody would have secrets of that magnitude and keep it to themselves and take it to their grave. Block and tackle? I don't think so. Four-ton stones, one man? I don't think so. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Art. Hello.
5: Hi, uh, my name's Eddie, and I'm calling from Omaha, Nebraska. Yes, Eddie. Uh, I was just listening earlier uh, this week, uh, somebody by the name of Al, that was on your show. Yes. And he was talking about sleep paralysis.
1: That was last night.
5: Yeah, and that was last night. He was uh, very uh, unconvincing. I've had the episode. And uh, his, his, uh, What he said wasn't uh, very convincing uh, to, I think, a lot of your viewers probably, too.
1: Well, I don't have viewers, Eddie. I have listeners. This is radio.
5: Yes, I I mean listeners. I'm sorry. And I was just wondering uh, if it was possible that uh, there is another scenario in the sleep paralysis itself and that there's different kinds of sleep paralysis for different reasons, such as possibly UFOs and stuff like that. Well, maybe having something to do with it. In, in some respects, uh, and maybe and in, in not in others.
1: Well, that's not very convincing, Eddie.
5: Yes.
1: I mean, if you have proof, then on the other hand. Yes, uh,
5: that's what I was wondering if you could maybe commit to answering some uh, questions in the future like that.
1: How uh, could I? How could I answer that?
5: Well, there's a lot of I, I people mean, out there you, that you, Eddie,
1: he, Eddie, 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 Eddie's. Well, yeah. You said he was not very convincing. I rather thought he was. So did everyone? Yes,
5: he was convincing. No, no, no. So Eddie, Eddie, Eddie,
1: Eddie's. Please yeah. let me finish. I'm sorry. Sir. Um. He was, to me, convincing, and to many of my listeners, because Not i true. got a, a million different taxes, but um, having said what you said, uh, it seems to me you're offering up uh, a significantly more implausible uh, explanation uh, without any proof.
5: Yes, that might be true.
1: Mm-hmm. All, right, all right. Well, thank you, Eddie. Thank you. Take care. In other words... You're not buying into his explanation of the power of the mind, which seems rather plausible. And to me, you're jumping to a rather implausible uh, explanation, particularly for such a widespread phenomenon. I uh, am attributing it to um, a UFOs. UFOs? Really? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Art? Yes.
16: Hi, this is Tim from Omaha. Hi, Tim. Two Omaha calls in a row. Uh, true. How are you doing? I'm doing. Uh I have a question for you. Okay. If you're if you're uh driving along and somebody tails you in the car, uh what do you usually do if, if they uh want to get out want you to get out of your car and start a fight?
1: If I'm in a car and somebody is tailgating me, is that what you're asking? Right,
16: and you pull into a restaurant and, yes. and, and uh you're in the parking lot of the restaurant and they pull in behind you and want you to get out of your car. What would you do? strange question isn't
1: it it is a strange question um
16: i know that you probably pa- you're probably packing you know?
1: um
16: so i don't know i it,
1: well uh, are you are you asking whether i would shoot somebody over over a tailgate no
16: no 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 i'm i'm talking would you just drive away and and what, what would you do if he followed you for for <sighs> an, 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 you
1: know i mean if somebody look if somebody came after me mm-hmm. i'm um I'm probably going to protect myself. Does that answer your question? Sure. That's all. I'm, I I doubt that I would um provoke a fight, but I doubt that I would um walk away from one either. Uh, I mean, if somebody takes a swing at me, um I'm I'm going to swing back in half. and have
16: I I have, I have oh. one more question for you. Sure. Um it you know uh, Mr. I think it in, in Russia it's Mr. Levitz, I think it is.
1: Uh, Lebed,
16: Leavitt, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I guess he's the one who's going to take over when Boris Yeltsin goes under the blade, I guess. It's
1: well, actually, the transfer of power has already occurred, and oh. Mr. Yeltsin is in the hospital.
3: Hmm.
1: And uh, Mr. Lebed will retain power until Mr. Yeltsin is um, uh, healthy enough to uh, reclaim his office or um, goes kaput under the blade, one of the two.
16: Is it true that one of Mr. Levitt's uh, icons is uh, Francisco Franco?
1: Well, I don't know. That I don't know.
16: that. I, I think I read that in the paper somewhere.
1: He's an interesting character, and uh, what I have heard of Levitt is not necessarily all bad. Uh, he is a very traditional Russian uh, and said to be fairly honest uh, and not typical of a lot of Russians.
16: I know you're coming up on a break here. I just have one quick One more thing to add that on the the other night I was watching the Tonight Show I think it was either Tonight Show or Conan O'Brien, and they had Dan Aykroyd on, and he was talking about the Chupacabra. Really? He was. (laughs) I guess Dan Aykroyd has a show coming up about sort sort of like what you do. He does. He does.
1: It uh, wouldn't seem like paranormal. It wouldn't seem like Dan Aykroyd's kind of thing. I thought he was a comedian.
16: Well, he was a Ghostbuster.
1: Well, <laughs> all right. Have a good evening. Yeah, you too. Take okay. care. Uh, it wouldn't seem like a natural subject for him. Uh, when I tackle these topics, I try and do it seriously. Oh, I I will walk off into humor occasionally, but I try and uh, treat these subjects seriously. And I would think that would be very difficult for Mr. Aykroyd. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi.
12: Hello Mr. Bell. Yes sir. Yes sir, I'm calling from uh, Galveston, Texas. Yes sir. Yes sir, um I wanted to talk about that uh guy who just called a little while ago.
1: He said uh about a he was talking about an old guy in uh Florida. Yes. Who uh uh built a structure you know, with stones and nobody can figure out
12: a coral. how he it did. Yeah, I saw that on In Search of. I don't remember the name either, but uh I remember it was it was pretty remarkable looking and the uh guy was uh, they said he was about 105 pounds. He was a very frail old man. And, right. And uh, he, he, he somehow got this stuff to... I mean, some people said that he actually had this stuff levitate. I mean, it was, it was some amazing stuff.
1: Well, maybe he built the blocks in place. Anybody consider that? That's been suggested about the pyramids as well. Uh, if you could not carry or move the blocks, and nobody today can figure out how they did that, yeah. maybe they built them, literally uh, poured them in place
11: yeah it, it could be
1: one possibility
12: yeah and uh i wanted to comment about that that monster who uh said that stuff uh to uh, polyclaus's father i mean yeah. that that guy he 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 couldn't die soon enough man i mean you're absolutely right that guy i mean if he did that to my daughter i would
1: I some kill him times. i mean yeah. there's a, you know there are conditions under which a reasonably well balanced person is capable of murder, exactly. and uh, it would be murder. there's no question about that um exactly. but i would i wouldn't hesitate
12: i know i i wouldn't either i mean he, he's scum and he he he'll he'll be he'll be seeing like uh mr Clark said uh, he'll be he'll be seeing Hitler and Dahmer all the rest in hell pretty soon
1: that's right i believe that too thank you i young i that affected me watching that encounter in the courtroom. And listening to that bastard absolutely affected me, and it began a process of my thinking about killing. And it's a pretty terrible thing to think about, isn't it? But I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, uh, had I been that man, I could have, I could have killed him without a second thought, and I would have tried. And if somebody um, messed with somebody in my family uh, and killed them or uh, attempted to harm them, I would have no compunction. I guarantee you, I would take them out and deal with the consequences uh, later. Thought about that, have you ever it's not a particularly pleasant thing to think about, but something like that causes you to do it. And I think most reasonable people. A well-balanced, reasonable people under those circumstances are absolutely capable of murder. Whatever you want to call it, uh, I suppose the DA would call it murder and charge you, so be it. The average, well-balanced person is absolutely capable of it. How about you? First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello.
17: Yes, Mr. Bell. Hello. Hi, this is Jonathan in Seattle, Washington. Yes, sir. Yes, I just wanted to say thank you very, very much for informing uh, your listeners last night about the space shuttle reentry, I was lucky enough to be on my way home from work when I heard you announce this, and I got home to West Seattle.
1: Well, now, I, re- I read a fax, and uh, we were an hour... The person who sent the fax was wrong by an hour.
17: Right, right, but luckily... My drive is about an hour long.
1: Uh. I got
17: home, turned on the news about 15 minutes prior to it's uh, skating the atmosphere, and uh, it was unbelievably spectacular.
1: Well, I, of course, went outside. I, I determined, to. I was watching CNN after the program, and I found out it was an hour off, and it was uh, due to land at 5.13, so I figured... Somewhere around five o'clock or fifteen minutes before it would touch down or twenty minutes, I would see it here, but we didn't see it here. I knew it was going to be seen in Seattle. What did you see, and where was it Where well, did it come across the sky?
17: It was exactly um, coming out of the it would be the west northwest area right you know over the Pacific okay. And I was lucky enough to be standing there when I was just struck, just dumbfounded, because I literally was looking in the right direction at the right time, and it just started to spark slowly and then burn solidly just at the horizon line, just above the horizon. Mm-hmm. And it followed almost a straight line across the the uh, the horizon.
1: Well, in that case, I would imagine the people up further north um, in in Canada, uh, right, and then maybe even in Alaska got quite a quite a show. It it probably came right up above them.
17: Right. It was it was my time. It was 4:42, uh, and then I followed uh, the CNN uh, report from NASA, and it landed exactly 35 minutes later in mm-hmm. Florida.
1: Well. I got to see it once, and um, it was incredible. I, it began in the, on the western uh, horizon, about oh, 20 degrees above the horizon, as kind of an orange blur. Right. And suddenly, that orange blur turned into an orange streak, and it just went flying right across the horizon. Absolutely awesome.
17: Exactly. Just fabulous.
1: Yep. Did you hear a boom?
17: Uh, no. Could not hear any sound. I think it was probably too far north by the c n n indicator, it was right on the border of Washington and uh, Canada really yeah,
1: all right well, let's see what some Canadians uh, uh were able to observe thank okay. you all right let's let's open the line thank you very much uh for Canada. Let me see uh would everybody else on the west of the Rockies line hold up for a moment during this break? I want to hear from Canada. did anybody in Canada uh maybe up in uh Alberta? That, that would have been about, seems like, ground zero for an overhead pass. Anybody up there happen to catch the uh, re-entry? When you do, and when it is uh, close, it, it is absolutely awesome. And, of course, it depends on the final orbit. Uh, that is to say, who's going to see it. Sometimes it comes across, literally right across central California. Really, really cool. So, if you're in Canada, and you saw it, call me at one 800 Two five, whoops, correction, one eight hundred six one eight eight two five five. 618 8255 Canada, one eight hundred six one eight eight two five five. 618 8255 or Alaska. Now, the Alaskans may also have been treated to quite a show. Uh, I'm glad that some of you uh, realized the person who sent me the fax was off by about an hour, but I'm sure you went to CNN, and so many of you must have seen it. All right, we'll pause here at the bottom of the hour. This is open line, unscreened, live talk radio. Even I have no idea what is coming next, and I like it like that. So if you want to be the next one coming, get on the phone now.
0: You're listening to Ark Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight, featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 26, 1996. Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 26, 1996.
1: All right. Um, I talked to people in Fairbanks and Anchorage during the break, and uh, they had nothing but clouds, so they didn't see it. But it looks like as you move east a little bit, Somebody up in uh, Alberta got a good look, and here he is. Hi there.
18: Hi, how you doing, Art?
1: So you're up in Alberta, eh? Yes, sir. All right. Did you, uh, did you go out and take a look?
18: I did. I, I'm not into the astrological things, but after talking to you, I just had to see it. After and? I had to see it. So
1: you wandered out, and what did you see? What, uh, wh- where did it cross the sky?
18: Um, it crossed right over the horizon, going, going eastward, kind of southeast. Bright red orange streak. Wow, it was cool.
1: So it it came. Uh, you'd say the horizon. It went directly overhead.
18: Well, a little bit south of me.
1: A little bit south, Just, but, but
18: well, that's what it looked like to me. I'm standing around well, in the building.
1: You probably had the premier view then.
18: Probably looked good to me.
1: Yeah, it really is neat to see that shuttle come back.
18: Yeah, I work graveyard shifts at an alarm company, also. Oh, you do. Yeah. Uh huh. And uh, that beeping sound, you wanted to, wanted to know if it was an alarm? Yes. Uh, can you play it back, and I'll check and see if it sounds like anything we use?
1: Um, I'd have to go hunt up the number again. I did that the other day. You didn't hear it when I I put...
18: I heard it, but uh, I just wanted to see if it sounded anything like ours. Uh,
1: Well, I hate to do it again. Um, Maybe I will, though. I'll see if I can hunt up the number. Okay. All right?
18: If it sounds like a bunch of really quick beeps with a pause between them. And that's what
1: alarms sound like. Yeah. It was uh, obviously looking for a response of some kind. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's my best guess. Thank you, uh, very much. So there you are. See Alberta got a pretty good look. I thought Alberta would be about right. Now the Alaskans would have had a good look had it not been for nearly total cloud cover uh over Fairbanks and Anchorage. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello.
13: Hi, Art Bell. Yes. Hi,
12: um I just have a quick question on uh if you've been uh, uh any of uh, those conferences uh, up in Minnesota, UFO conferences, have you been on any of those yet? Never. Never. Um, I was wondering, do you know of any that's coming up?
1: Um, there was one just in Tampa, and I'm not frankly certain where the next one is coming, but they're coming almost on a monthly basis now. Okay. Uh, so, why, are you wanting to go to one?
12: I'm going to the one in Minnesota on October 5th.
1: Oh, I see. am wondering if
12: you do any of those. uh
1: uh-huh. I have not yet. No. I have not yet.
3: Huh.
1: I'm, I'm sitting on a lot of things that I could be doing and I am not doing. Uh, thank you. I'll tell you, I have heard in the last two days, I've heard from CBS that wants to do a story. I got a call from CBS. As a matter of fact, today, Strange Universe, hard copy. Two other major networks that I can't mention. <laughs> I have heard from more networks lately. Uh, I've heard from everybody but a Peter Jennings. I haven't heard from ABC. Uh, let me put it this way: I've heard from every major network save ABC of them want to do something or another, and I am just, I have just not been, you know me, in television, I, I don't like TV, and these TV folks can't understand that, they just don't understand it, and uh, and I, I know how they feel, I mean, it is their medium and their baby, but I have always felt, I really have always felt, and I really still do, and you know, they really try to tempt you, I mean, we're talking money here. They try to tempt you into doing television. And I don't think it's a good idea. And, of course, I've been invited to a million of the UFO conferences, and I could be jetting all across the country all the time, and I haven't done that either. So I try to stay focused on what I'm doing here. And I have this feeling that if I go and try to do, you know, it's the Peter Principle, that people will eventually um, rise to a level of incompetency or to a job for which they are not competent. And I like doing what I do here. And so I'm hesitant to go out and do other things. Maybe I'll someday get over that, I don't know. Or maybe not. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello.
19: KQMS in California. Well, hello there. So if I go on vacation with you, do I get to follow you a morning around?
1: (laughs) Well, sure. I really
19: want to know because if I don't, I'm not going.
1: Well, uh, are you going?
19: If I don't get to follow you guys around and party with you guys, then I'm not
1: going. I see. Well, we are there to meet with people, so yes. Because uh, I want
19: to watch
1: you eat. You want to watch me eat?
19: Yeah, I'm noisy.
1: Well, I, I do copious amounts of that on cruises. <laughs> Everybody does.
19: <laughs> i get. I've seen those commercials.
1: It's actually, I? it's totally deadly. I mean, they feed you the best food. Really? The I mean, the best food in the world, all you want, any time of day or night. Oh and there is no way to go on that cruise without coming back with more pounds.
19: <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, you know, the care are there for many lifetimes. We only have you for one lifetime.
1: Well, fortunately, it's this one.
19: Uh-huh. So, you know, the reason I have to know is because I'm saving up to go to that Farsight Institute. Oh, are you? Yeah. Going to
1: become a remote viewer?
19: Uh-huh. I thought it was really cool. You know what I really like about it? What? It's like half. The metaphysical type thing and half scientific, you know what I mean? It's kind
1: well, of it's it's um it's a metaphysical discipline, uh with, with uh, I guess a metaphysical uh, experience with a scientific discipline applied to it, and uh, yeah,
19: that's so that it, made it really attractive to me. Because, yeah, because you know I I think people go really overboard on that new age thing sometimes.
1: sometimes um,
19: they're kind of out there.
1: Well, sometimes.
19: Listen, you know, know sometimes,
1: you but, you know, for example, the guest I had on last night.
19: No, no, he had he was a, had excellent credentials.
1: Yeah, I really buy into that. I, I've not done it, but I felt the beginnings of it, and I have a feeling he's dead right.
19: Listen, I want to tell you something else. You know what? I used to smoke cigarettes, and I got this subliminal tape, and I haven't smoked cigarettes since May. And the catalog that I got it out of has this tape in there called Freedom from Allergies. Right. And it's supposed to use your subconscious to keep you from be for being allergy free. I bet you it would really work for Mona's asthma.
1: Sounds <laughs> pretty touchy feely to me.
19: It's not. In fact, I did. You know, I read like the messages mm-hmm. and um, see. Dr. Jonathan Parker is one of the is. He, they carry a lot of his stuff. But the messages that they give you are they're very psychologically sound, very psychologically sound principles. Yes. And they really cover um, like all aspects of whatever habit that you're trying to to conquer,
1: mm-hmm. it's
19: very, very interesting, and I think I'm going to send you a catalog.
1: All right, dear, I'll look forward to it. Thank okay, you. Bye. I firmly believe, and that's why you see me into these topics, and that's why you see me treat them seriously, because I firmly believe that we are more than just our shell, our bodies. Our minds are capable of things that we have not yet begun to dream about. Uh, there are things out there, I'm going to begin to sound like Neil Armstrong, but uh, there really are things out there that we have not begun to explore yet. And I think more and more people these days are waking up to that fact. And so you, you hear me do a lot of that sort of thing. Uh, my wife is in uh, her second day of a pretty serious asthma attack. And uh, so that's uh, taken a lot out of me in the last day or so. Uh, she has um, asthma. The poor gal has had it since she was a child. And uh, it's a pretty serious attack. Not as serious uh, yet as the last one, but uh, very serious. Disabling. I mean, to the point where you can only uh, sit and concentrate on trying to breathe. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello.
4: Morning, Art. How you doing? Okay. Uh, a couple of quick things. I was talking to, you talk about the guy in uh, Homestead, or Homestead, about the coral. Yes. Uh, yeah, he has, was featured on uh, Unsolved Mysteries. I'm not sure it was one of the old reruns. Right. And what they were talking about, he would uh, be working, and people would come up and see him lifting things with his fingertips, and he'd stop whatever he was doing and talk to them and answer all the questions and stand there and wait for them to leave. And when, he, when they left, he'd go right back to doing his work hmm And uh
1: Well why would a man with an incredible secret like that take it to his grave?
4: I don't know. I it, it was one of the strange things about him too. They said he was never he would never ask anything direct any answer any direct questions about how he did things, but just would tell that he had the secret to how to build the pyramids. And uh maybe he just didn't want the secret to get out and it was too something that was too powerful for anybody else to understand. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's really intriguing, isn't it?
4: Yeah, yeah, it's something. Um, and about Dan Aykroyd, I want to say he was uh, about him. He's real serious about the uh, uh, UFOs and different things like that. When he made uh, that interview with him, when he was making my, uh, I guess my stepmother is an alien, and he was talking about he'd like to get interest in his interest in UFOs and different things like that. So he, I think he would take it pretty seriously.
1: Well, I would hope so. You know, if he's going to do something on it, I, I would hope he would take it uh, a serious approach to it. Otherwise, he ought not do it.
4: Oh, This is Scott, by the way, from uh, Tennessee, WPN.
1: All right, Scott.
4: All right. Thanks a lot, Scott. You. Really Enjoy your show.
1: Take care. Um, there is an awakening going on across America uh, to, to things that people used to laugh at or scoff at, and they're not laughing anymore, and they're not scoffing, and they're beginning to pay attention. And I'm frankly glad to see it. I, I began looking at this sort of thing many years ago in talk radio, and I, did, uh, I would do a number of shows. I would simply deviate every now and then because I got sick of talking about nothing but the news uh, or politics more specifically. And uh, so I've done interviews uh, in all of these areas, and we've had discussions for years about these kinds of things. And now all of a sudden I see the rest of the country beginning to come around and it's a kind of a, an awakening. And it's a positive thing. I believe it is a very positive thing. There are still many who sit on the sidelines and chuckle away. Uh, well, let them do so. Uh, there is more to life than that which is apparent uh, from a material point of view. Wild Line, you're on the air. Hello.
11: Jim from Omaha? Yes, sir. On oh, your call, Castle? Yes. That, remember the old series... Uh, in search of Leonard Nimoy. Sure. They had a special on this, a 30 minute program on this. Right. And uh, I said I copied the program. And this gentleman originally built this uh, place and he got mugged in his place and he moved it 30 miles. And the interviews they did with people that, uh, truck driver, he rented a truck and had the driver go around the corner and come back in a few minutes and got a load of these big rocks and they moved them 30 miles. Hmm. And he wrote a book called Magnetic Current, never was published, you know, never, never sold. But there is a television show uh, on that uh, Carl Castle Mm -hmm. shows some home films of him.
1: Well, he must have known something again to take it to the grave.
11: Yeah. Well, the people that he uh, got the land from originally when he showed up, uh, he told the owner, which was his only friend, that he discovered. which they interviewed, the uh, secret how they did the pyramids. They got the home film of him in his coral castle. And what happened to him, he put a suit on went to town one day, took himself into the hospital, and died in the hospital. He had tuberculosis. Really? Yeah. But uh, if I ever get a copy of that, I'll send it to you.
1: I'll look forward to that. Thank you. In the meantime, there is somebody who's going to send photographs that he took, and uh, we'll get those up on the web. That is amazing, isn't it? Can you imagine taking a secret like that to your grave? On the other hand, somebody said that the technology, or maybe that's the wrong word, the power that he had discovered uh, was too significant uh, to give to the world now. Maybe he had a point. I mean, we are not exactly um, uh, the quintessential gentle civilization that one might hope we would be someday, eh? So, we would probably use it to drop four-ton blocks on our enemy.
0: <laughs> now, we take you back to the night of September 26th, 1996 on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time.
1: East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning.
12: Hello. Hello. Yes, this is Mark from Murfreesboro. Hi, Mark. Yes, North I was to ask Art Bell about the possibility of getting Jacques Vallée on the show.
1: Well, uh, this And is... I was
12: also wanting to ask him about... Sir, uh, sir. A possible... Sir,
1: sir. To... Sir. Yes. Slow down. Yes. I am Art Bell.
12: Oh, Art. Yes. Yes, uh, Jacques Vallée.
1: Uh, send me his number.
12: Okay, I can do that. I can fax it to you. All right. Can you give me your fax number?
1: Area code 702-727-8499.
12: Okay. And one other thing I wanted to say, uh, uh, about the Roswell, your arts park. Yes. It could be a, uh, government, uh, the faction of the government uh, that that uh, Dr. Boylan was talking about it a couple sure weeks
1: could. ago. There's no question about it.
12: That, that they may be trying to throw you off. What do you call it, though? You know, to hook you, you know.
1: Well, they've they, done hey, a good job. What? They've done a good job. I'm hooked.
12: Yeah, but, I mean, it could not be. It's possible that it's not from, you know, some flying saucer from... From outer space. Of course, mean...
1: it's possible. But either way, sir, it's a big story because either they have created this or did create it sometime in the past, um, in their work in trying to get a lifting body or a saucer or whatever you want to call it. Our own government, or it's from elsewhere. Either way, it's a pretty big story, wouldn't you say?
12: Yes, sir. And I like your open-mindedness and, and your uh, your carefree attitude, you know, that you have to your show. And everything.
1: Uh, it's uh, an attitude about life, not just my yeah. show, sir. It, just, uh, it is manifested uh, in the program that I do. Thank you. I am pretty much open to anything. Why not? If you close your mind, uh, then you're very likely going to miss something important eventually, aren't you? Now, an open mind will no doubt uh, attract things that are without meaning. On occasion, we see plenty of that here. But then also on occasion, you will stumble into things that, uh, with a closed mind, would have passed you by in the night, unnoticed. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Uh,
7: this is uh, Paul from Green Bay. Yes, sir. Yeah. How are you doing
1: tonight? Fine.
7: Yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, help you out with a couple of things uh, you've been talking about for the past uh, few days. All right. Um, one was, uh, have you ever heard of narcolepsy? Yes. And that's what they call the sleep
1: paralysis?
7: No. Uh, okay. Well,
1: I had been told... No, narcolepsy, sir, is, a, I believe, a, an illness where people are prone to uh, falling asleep right in the middle of their daily activities, uh, being at work, that kind of thing.
7: Right. But I was told, because I had the sleep paralysis uh, for quite a long time, and uh, I was told that it... Uh, it's like another form of narcolepsy. Uh, it's actually a mild form of epilepsy.
1: Well, now that may be. Uh, it's been called a grand or uh, minor mal seizure. Uh huh. So that could be.
7: And yeah, and the the uh, guests that you had on seemed to. Uh, well, every time that I had uh, the the episodes, um, there's always been a a, a demon or, a, or or something dark that was poking at me or trying to get at me. So I was very skeptical about some of the the, uh, explanations that he
1: gave. um... Well, an awful lot of people, uh, sir, came on and verified uh, exactly what it was that he said. If you listen carefully, an awful lot of people came on and uh, verified, and I've had, I don't know, a million faxes and uh, emails, people that have experienced it, people who said thank you, you know, I thought I was the only one, that kind of thing. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hello, turn your radio off getting there? Awesome. Okay. That's good. Where are you?
7: I'm in Boise, Idaho.
1: Yes, sir. Hi,
7: Bill. Uh, you have that strange automated telephone thing. Did you figure out what that was?
1: Well, I'm working on the, the idea of an alarm system right now, but okay. uh, no, it's not settled yet.
7: No problem. Well, I heard the sound yesterday um, and if, if, if it's the same one you can find out. Unfortunately, I don't have a telephone number here for you, but I'm sure you want to call us give it to you. U.S. Naval Observatory has a time uh, telephone number to call. Right. And it gives you, uh, uh, I think, two pitches and a tone. Right. And it's not looking for anything back. But it just breaks out real quick. takes about seven seconds.
1: Well, this thing was looking for an answer of some kind. And oh, and, and I was that, listening
7: to it on your, on your uh web page, and it sounds the same. I'm sorry? I was listening to it on the, on the web page that you have uh, on the l- Internet.
1: Listening to what?
7: Oh, the sound. It was digitized.
1: No, they've got it up there? Yeah. Oh, I'll be damned. I didn't know that. They're quick. There, like oh, I know. I know. Listen, Keith is so fast. He gets stuff <laughs> up there uh, sometimes before I even ask, and this is another case of that.
7: But check it out. Last I knew, there wasn't, one, there wasn't a one added number for it, but uh, uh, it, when I dial it from my computer at work to set the time on the machine, if I leave the modem on, uh-huh. it sounds like
1: that. All right, sir. Thank you very much. My, I know I, my modem does not sound like that. Uh, no modem uh, sounds like that It may be that an alarm system um, Look Sounds like that But uh, modems are very distinctive uh, Slower speed modems With what appears to sound like a single tone A very different sound for the higher speed modems It's also uh, not a fax tone We'll be back
0: You're listening to Ark Bell Somewhere in Time On Premier Radio Networks Tonight an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 26th 1996 Dean bell somewhere in time on premier radio networks tonight an encore presentation of coast to coast a.m. from september 26th 1996
1: we had one hour early on with uh dr jesse marcel jr somebody writes art i was just listening to your interview with uh, dr marcel i was hoping you'd ask him if he was familiar with arts parts and if they resembled what he had handled when he was living in roswell well in sense i did He mentioned some materials that sounded very, very much like the um, alleged skin of the spacecraft that we have, blackened on one side, a charcoal, kind of, uh, not plastic, of course, but uh, a layered material, and that's why I asked him whether any of the material appeared to be layered, and he had not examined it that closely, so... It it is a very fine layering, indeed, as you know, of bismuth and magnesium. And so I went that far. Art Howe's Comet. There's a little picture of my cat. Comet is doing, uh, by the day, leaps and bounds better. Whatever became of that rumor that Chuck Harder had been abducted by a black helicopter, is there any truth to it? Love the show, board up at WGL, Jeff, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, just, uh, I can only tell you, Jeff, that I, too, have heard that rumor. Doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean it's not. Uh, Good morning, Art. Jesse Marcel, Jr. was an interesting person. With regard to the factualness of his report, it was obvious, as you pointed out, that he was not embellishing the account at all. There are two things that bear further investigation. If I were him, his father's effects that are in storage, yes, of course, um, I'd have uh, gone through those with a fine-tooth comb. Secondly, I'd make every attempt to try and decipher those symbols on the beam. Of course, the only way that could be done, if at all, would be through regressive hypnosis, and he does not seem amenable to that. So here we are with a mystery. Exactly correct. We are left with, as is always the case, it seems, a mystery. So it's open lines. I can tell you this. We have unusual conditions going on. Uh shortwave is extremely depressed at the moment uh by magnetic storms that are going on. We had a full moon eclipse earlier in the evening, a red moon. I went out and saw it, it was incredible. And there is a lot of radiation washing over mother earth at the moment. So it'll be an interesting night and I suspect people will be affected by it, as they always are by a full moon, and perhaps more so with a magnetic storm underway. So who knows?
0: Streamlink, the audio subscription service of Coast to Coast AM, has a new name, Coast Insider. You'll still get all the same great features for the same low price. Just 15 cents a day when you sign up for one year. The package includes podcasting, which offers the convenience of having shows downloaded automatically to your computer or MP3 player, and the iPhone app with live and on-demand programs. You'll also get our amazing download library of free full years of shows. Just think. As a new subscriber, over 1,000 shows will be available for you to collect, enjoy, and listen to at your leisure. Plus, you'll get streamed in on-demand broadcasts of Art Bell's Somewhere in Time shows and two weekly classics. And as a member, you'll have access to our monthly live chat sessions with George Nori and special guests. If you're a fan of Coast, you won't want to be without Coast Insider. Visit coasttocoastam.com to sign up today. Now we take you back to the night of September 26th, 1996, on Art Bell Somewhere in Time.
1: East of the Rockies, you're on the air, hi. Good morning. Good morning.
20: How are you today? Okay. Um the thing about the Coral Castle, I have a ten assorted snapshot prints here. And I'd like to send them to you if I could get your address.
1: I would love it. Are you ready? Yes. It's Art It's Art Bell, Post Office Box, 4755 yes. in Pahrump. Don't laugh at that. Person. P-A-H-R-U-M-P. Okay. Nevada. Zip code uh, 89041-4755.
20: Okay. Also, he had um, made that castle for his sweetheart.
1: That's what I heard. Yeah. And
20: after he died, they contacted her to see if she'd like to see it, and she didn't want anything to do with it. Really? Yes. I thought that was very sad.
1: It's gratitude for you.
20: Right. But um, there's like ten different snapshots. There's a panorama, a map of Florida, Moon Fountain, nine-ton gate, Polaris telescope, heart-shaped table, giant obelisk, Mar- Mars, Saturn and Crescent, Bedroom and Bath, and Sundial. And it was very strange because he lived, you know, the Sundial, um, they said that that's the way he lived. He was like um, from the Dark Ages or something.
1: Well, there are a lot of things we don't understand.
20: Right. But it's a beautiful place, and uh, I will send you these snapshots.
1: I'll look forward to it.
20: Okay, thank you. And
1: I'll, I'll take the best of what I get and get it up on the web. You know what else? I've got some really incredible shots of the pyramids. Boy, you know, that brings to mind, again, the. uh, I want to tell you about the cruise. And I'm not going to go all through it. I'm just going to tell you that we're going to uh, Athens, Greece, Cairo, Egypt. We're going to uh, Giza, the pyramids, the Sphinx. Going to Israel, Jerusalem, Haifa. We're going to the Greek Isles, uh, and they are absolutely spectacular. Going to Naples, Italy, Pompeii. Boy, do I want to see Pompeii. The Isle of Capri. Uh, We're going to Rome, Italy. It's all on the Mazdam. It's a cruise. It's luxury. It's the best ship I've ever been on. It's the same one we were on this last trip. Except this time we're going to some places that I really, really, really want to go to. It is a year from October 1st. You've got plenty of time, but you don't. You don't have plenty of time. In other words, as always, we book this far ahead of time, and as always, it books very, very quickly, and we quickly reach a state where it is sold out. Boy, am I looking forward to this. West of the Rockies, you're on the air.
21: Hi, Art. This is Ed in Finland, California. How you doing, Ed? Okay. A couple of very diverse uh, questions. Uh, first, um, uh, Jackie Gleason, the late Canadian. Yes. Uh, he was very interested in UFOs, and I wonder if you ever heard the story that he actually saw the uh, bodies of ETs.
1: There is that rumor floating around.
21: Yeah, he was a friend of uh, President Nixon, and he asked Nixon to see the uh, bodies, and uh, I, I just heard vaguely a little bit about it, and I wonder, uh, you know... Uh... No,
1: I cannot confirm it. I, You know, I heard the same rumor. But...
21: Yeah, well, that's something, but... And also, you know, I'm interested in Nikola Tesla. And there was a city in Northern California named after Tesla, and I can't find too much information about it and I wonder if anybody out there might uh
1: i suppose that would be Tesla California right
21: uh, yes <laughs> that's it It was near Livermore California
1: uh-huh that's
21: all I know about it, and uh it was in the eighteen nineties
1: and uh uh, the and I suppose the entire city runs on free power, right?
21: Uh, well, <laughs> I think the city disappeared. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I found a little bit about it. The city, uh,
1: excuse me, disappeared? Disappeared. Uh-huh. Like,
21: uh, it was a coal mining area, and then became a ghost town, now I think oh, I it's see. just a uh, cow
1: pasture. I see. <laughs> All right, thank you very much for the call. The city named after Tesla, dis- I thought it meant actually physically disappear. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, Art. Hello.
22: Yeah, this is Mark in KEX slash Como country uh, headed up there. Say, um, when you go to Israel, you ought to go to the tomb of the patriarch. It's in, uh, hmm, what town is that in? It's in uh, Hebron. Okay. Supposedly, underneath it, is the tomb of uh, Abraham and Isaac and stuff? Yes. The last person to go down there was a 12 year old girl that Moshe Diane sent down because the opening is so small. Yes. And she said that she saw bones and like a what would you call it? A pier that like the uh, body lays on. Yes. And uh, that just I think that'd be an interesting thing since you're you know into going into strange little areas like under the sinks and stuff.
1: Yeah, but I'm not 12 and I'm not little.
22: <laughs> well, that's true, i right? you know, but uh you know that is an interesting place, uh, you know, and it's... now,
1: my wife is fairly small, maybe she'd crawl down there
22: yeah that, that's a good idea, or, well, your son is bigger than you. I saw the the picture of, uh,
1: yeah, he's gigantic <laughs>
22: yeah, he is, but uh anyway, apparently uh there there hasn't been like an adult down there, you know, well, I guess about thirty years before the you know the six day war or whatever it was uh. Some British people, like, bribed the guard there and, um actually went down in there. And the, the caliph of that town at the time found out about it and, like, concreted over the, uh, the opening. He used to be able to uh. go down there. But there are stories, like, people have seen, uh, you know, Abraham's wife's ghost down there and things like that. Pretty strange.
1: I'll check it out. Thank you. There, you know, the, most of the world, the rest of the world, and Americans don't necessarily realize this until you do some traveling. But in most parts of the world, bribery is the norm. And when you want to get something and get somewhere and get something done, you bribe. I mean, that's all there is to it. In most of the rest of the world, South America, um, Asia, especially in Asia, and uh, in, certainly in uh, Eastern Europe, that is absolutely true, Russia, uh, China, yeah, most of the rest of the world operates on bribe. I know it's a horrible thing to have to contemplate, but uh, it, it really is quite true. Um, you can bribe your way into about anything. East of the uh, Rockies, you're on the air.
15: Hey, Art. Hey, yes. Art. Yes. Um, I was calling to tell you about Dan Aykroyd. Uh, yes. Um, I saw him on Rosie O'Donnell's talk show. Yes. He was talking about that show, and he's very serious about it. He's been working with se- several scientific groups, and uh, they have, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe what he said they were going to do or going to reenact some actual stories that they've investigated and found to be uh, trustworthy. And this group that he's been working with has disproved several false things that people have been reporting and they hunt down true stories investigate them and then on the show they are supposedly going to reenact them
1: i am but, sus- like, i sort- am i am suspicious of that
15: yeah they're going to do it sort of like the x-files he said
1: yeah i see all right well thank you i i am suspicious of that reenactments i i could envision for example an, a reenactment of the the roswell mystery but Why would that uh, necessarily be any more accurate or reliable than anybody else's? uh... Example, the the interview we did in the first hour tonight, I think, is as close to hearing what really happened as you're going to hear. That was uh, Jesse Marcel, Jr., and he told us what he really saw and what he didn't see. And unfortunately, when you do reenactments and you're doing something for dramatic value, you know, as in a television show, you're under pressure to make it interesting. And I'm, I'm sorry, and I, have no reflection on Dan Aykroyd, and I'm sure that it will come out just fine, but, uh, there's, you know, there's pressure to make it look better than it, it was. And if even the movie Roswell, which, um, even Jesse Marcel said, was fairly faithful, uh, found it necessary to put twists in the story, the the, un, the unfolding foil, which Jesse never saw, the piece which Jesse supposedly took or kept, which in real life he did not. And it's a little difficult to separate myth from reality, and when you're doing things in reenactments, it's... Uh, I think too tempting for people in 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 the TV industry to include things that ought not be. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi.
3: Hi.
23: Yeah. About the uh, chupacabra. Yes. Um, I, I, did you hear anything about uh, a study that was done by some scientists in Central America where they uh, looked at some of the victims of the so-called chupacabra and they they found that like the bite marks and the nature of the attacks matched. Uh, like the attacks typical of wild dogs and things like that, and kind of well, of
1: course I've heard that. Um, uh, how does that account, though, for the hundreds or even thousands of animals uh, that have been found with the bite marks on their neck and all the blood drained? Uh, dogs don't drain blood.
23: Well, I mean, blood's a really good source of protein. I mean, uh,
1: yes, but cer- even yes, a dog but, but you're missing the point, sir. With just two bite marks on the neck, there is no dog I know of that can drain all the blood from an animal. Well, I mean, I
11: think
23: I think you get a lot of hysteria, like you know, when you know someone talks about a goat sucker, and then suddenly every attack is associated with the chupacabra. And, oh,
1: sure, you know, it's like uh, UFOs. Not everything people see in the sky is an alien spaceship.
23: Yeah, I mean Jackie right? Gleason, you know, seeing extraterrestrials. What's up with that? I, I mean, I just, you know, I I just think it's funny how people are so quick to sort of jump to all these conclusions. You know, like this new species of a goat sucker. I mean. Like a new animal is going to suddenly appear or something.
1: Why not?
23: Well, I mean, I, you know, I just think it's really incredulous. I, I
1: well, uh, let's let's think about this a little bit. Um, there's a lot of incredulous stuff, sir, that goes on, but is nevertheless true, like the coral castle that we've been hearing about this morning. Now,
23: that's... Well, didn't he use a block and tackle or something, though? I mean...
1: There was some sort of block and tackle there, not capable of moving blocks that size. Yeah. So, well, I mean, so maybe you'd like to answer for us how it was done.
23: <laughs> I can't answer it,
3: but
1: right. I mean,
23: I'm sure there's an explanation. I just,
1: mm-hmm.
3: I
23: don't, I'm just not really quick to believe, like, you know, all this sort of, well, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't listen to this. Do you believe,
1: do you believe that animals become, uh, as species become extinct?
3: Yeah, You certainly. do. You do
1: believe that? Yeah. Is it? Unreasonable to believe that new species appear?
23: Uh, no. I mean, I think, yeah, that happens for that, sure, that but happens. not 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 by such a big leap as, you know, something that sucks blood, you know, feeds in a completely different manner than.
1: Well, you uh, said it yourself. Blood is protein. Uh, yeah,
23: that's true. Yeah. A lot of things, you I, know. I, I think
1: bats, uh, is. bats drink blood, don't they?
23: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so it is not unreasonable to believe that there would be a creature that would sustain itself um, with the with the protein and blood.
23: Well, yeah, that's true, and a lot do. But why would it suddenly appear now? You know, I mean, well, I, I, I don't know. So I, mean, I
1: mean, why why are species becoming extinct now?
23: Well, because man is taking away his habitat or animals' habitat. It's
1: That's a very small uh, cause. It is indeed a cause. Or maybe it's a big cause. I don't know. But there are species that become extinct uh, without the help or the hindrance of man.
23: Yeah, that's true also. I mean, it's a natural process also, you know.
1: So that there could be a new creature. I mean, it's like asking, why are there new diseases?
23: Yeah, I mean, you have a good point. But I I think, you know, for a new sort of, a new animal that's so different from anything that's previously been described that flies and jumps around like a little, you know, Mm -hmm. some sort of vampire dinosaur. I mean, uh, the descriptions are so weird from a few things I've read. It just, I don't know. And, you know, how is it suddenly, you know, how does it radiate so fast? It's seen in Mexico and then suddenly it's in, you know, New England or something, I don't know. Just well, to, those
1: those are questions I don't have answers for. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I haven't heard about New England. Uh, where has it been seen there?
23: Well, I thought I heard in Massachusetts or something. There. Really? Exciting.
1: I mean, here you go now, spreading new information. <laughs> I haven't heard it was in New England.
23: <laughs> There's an article in Outside Magazine, I
1: think. Well, here we go. All right, <laughs> sir. Thank you. All right. So the chupacabra now seen in New England. Tisk. Tisks are spreading rumors like that. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi.
2: Hi, sir. I'm calling from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Yes, sir. This is the first time I've called. I've only heard you twice, and I must say I'm very impressed. Well, thank you. Uh, Two questions. Uh, Number one, my grandmother lives in Sumner County,
4: Tennessee. Right. And for years and years, we've seen helicopters go by without any markings.
1: Black helicopters.
3: Right. Well, yeah, I -hmm. guess they're black. And have you,
1: have you, uh, there is one important thing I must ask you. Okay. Have you seen Chuck Harder? Have I seen what? N- I guess it doesn't matter. Chuck Harder.
2: Uh, no, I haven't.
1: No, you haven't. All right. I mean, hanging out or waving or screaming for help or something. Okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, so helicopters.
2: Right. And uh, number two, and I'll, I'll hang up and listen to you. I was told to ask what the uh, arts parts are. He said it would be very interesting.
1: Well, it is very interesting, and that's a very difficult question, but I'll try and answer it in a nutshell. Arts parts were sent anonymously from Charleston, South Carolina, by a man uh, who claims his father was on the retrieval team at Roswell, New Mexico, and he claims these parts are from a, cla- a crashed um, uh, extraterrestrial vehicle of some kind we received them better than a half year ago and we have been testing them all over the country in labs all over the country uh... we have a lot of anomalous results as a matter of fact right now we have got a video um... that you can get just by going up to my website it will run on any four eighty six computer with a uh... math code processor you can download it you can see the tests that were run at redstone arsenal down in alabama And they are completely anomalous, absolutely fascinating. We've had them at Carnegie in Washington. We've talked to rare metals manufacturers. And so far, nobody knows what we've got. That's what we affectionately call Arts Parts.
0: We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 26, 1996. presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired September 26th, 1996.
1: Open lines this evening. Tomorrow night, Zachariah Sitchin, uh, followed by uh, Graham Hancock and Robert Bavall and maybe more. And I don't want to give anything away right now. I just want to tell you that there is a gargantuan struggle going on regarding what's going to occur at Giza, in December and um, it's like I want to tell you more but I know better it would be a disservice uh, right now to a number of individuals were I to open my mouth and I'm, I'm dying to say what I want to say but I guess 24 hours we can wait 24 hours
0: Coast to Coast AM is happy to announce that our website is now optimized for mobile device users, specifically for the iPhone and Android platforms. Now you'll be able to connect to most of the offerings of the Coast website on your phone in a quick and streamlined fashion. And if you're a Coast insider, you'll have our great subscriber features right on your phone, including the ability to listen to live programs and stream previous shows. No special app is necessary to enjoy our new mobile site. Simply visit coasttocoastam.com on your iPhone or Android browser. Now, we take you back to the night of September 26th, 1996, on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time.
1: Well, I hope you're going to come along on this next cruise. You know how cool cruises are? Instead of, uh, you know, going to this many places... You would normally have to get on an airplane and pack and unpack and pack and unpack and go into hotels, and it's horrible, horrible. Even though you're seeing exotic locations and having a blast, this packing-unpacking business is horrible. With a cruise, you have your own room, cabin, and it's home, and so the ship docks, and you take the minimum amount of stuff you want to have a good time that day, and you go ashore, and you have fun. you have great fun. And then you come home, and all your things are in the cabin. So if you have never been on a cruise, I urge you to consider this next one that we're going on. It's going to be incredible, really incredible, and uh, it's an easy way to go as compared to the alternative. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello.
24: Hi, Art. This is Russell. Yes, sir. Yeah, a couple of comments here. First, over there in Israel, um, I don't. There's no hope for peace unless uh, Israel's either wiped off the face of the map or Palestine has their own state, and uh, I don't see that happening.
1: No, that's not going to happen. And uh, the Palestinians and the Syrians and others, more quietly, are going to continue to want Israel to disappear from the face of the earth, and eventually it's going to come down to blows.
24: And I kind of see that as for uh, as also what's going on in Bosnia, you know, as soon as... Uh,
1: as soon as we leave.
24: As soon as we leave, it's, <laughs> it's an all-out massacre, you know, yep. or just...
1: I know. And, uh, and probably President Clinton is going to get a Nobel Peace Prize for what he, what he has done, And my question at this point would be uh, when all hell breaks loose, can they take it back?
24: Yeah, exactly. And saying, let's look at Haiti and Northern Ireland. I mean, this is all, it's, this Clinton is just an amazing thing. It's just imagery. You know, it's, it's all, it seems like that's all this guy's interested in is delaying the inevitable. Well, a bunch of smoke and mirrors. There's no substance to any of his policies.
1: Yes, there is. I don't, look, I don't fault him for trying in Bosnia. Um, I would fault him for not trying. And any president would have had to have tried. I mean, you, you know, we have some responsibility, I know that, to go in there and try to prevent a Holocaust, try to prevent genocide.
24: Well, I mean...
1: How far we go to do that, I don't know. But I don't fault him for trying. It's just that I understand, as you do, that the minute we leave... They're going to go back to doing what they do, and that's killing each other.
24: Yeah, but I still say we would have just armed both sides and let them go at it, but you know the Muslims have their worldview, and the Protestants, uh, European Christian, whatever you know, they have their worldview, and they just they've always clashed. This is this goes back to the Dark Ages, you know, the Knights and all the Round Table and all that. It's always been the same story. I mean, let's face it. You know, as far as I'm concerned, there's never going to be peace until Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne ruling his kingdom. And until then, we're just, you know, we got to keep, everybody's got to keep themselves armed to the teeth.
1: Well, I'm, I'm with you there. Thank you very much. Um, you defend yourself. I don't, I really, really don't fault uh, Clinton for trying in Boston. I don't think he had any choice. I really don't think he had any choice. Uh, but I don't think it's going to work. And I do think if we leave, uh, unless there's an international presence there for the next 40 years or so, which there may be, uh, the minute uh, the force leaves, the war will resume and the genocide will resume. It's a pretty safe bet. What's going on now in Israel? It's a little difficult to uh, understand how that will be resolved without it becoming an all-out war. It may. I'm very interested. I want to see Israel. I want to see Egypt. I want to see these areas. I mean, there's a little bit of danger, but every trip I've had has had a little bit of danger. So what? You go into communist China, there's a little bit of danger. You go into Russia these days, there is a fair amount of danger. You go to Israel, uh, uh, there's danger. You go into areas where there's terrorism, there is danger. But I like living life, and um, these are things I want to see, and I'm not going to be stopped because there's a little bit of danger. So I think this coming trip, I, you have no idea how I'm looking forward to it. I have wanted to see all my life the pyramids. And with the programs I've been doing, and, and the ones that uh, are coming, the one coming up, as a matter of fact, later tonight, boy, is that going to be a program. Don't miss that. Graham Hancock, Robert Bilal. And maybe more, there are developments that will occur during the day today that will dictate what's going to occur tonight, and I can't tell you I know what's going to happen. I can tell you there are dramatic, powerful things afoot, and tonight you'll learn about it. Uh, First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. All right. Yes.
25: This is Corky in Tennessee. Yes, sir. Uh, we had a UFO sighting here back before you went on vacation, and you called for information on it. Don't know if anybody ever responded, but I have some.
1: All right. What can you tell me?
25: Uh, I'm capsulizing from, um, a newspaper article in the Portland, Tennessee, Leader. Okay. Uh, this family lives pretty much out in the country, and this incident started about four o'clock in the morning. Okay. Uh, the father was awakened by a sound which, uh, it sounded like animals scurrying around the roof. And he got up, went and looked out, saw nothing, went back to bed. And about 4.30 a.m. he heard it again and went and looked. And he described um, an entity, which the newspaper does not describe, that was standing on his deck looking back at him, and there was a, a small white light about the size of a baseball floating around his yard about four feet off the ground, and it seemed to be chasing this entity. He also noticed, looking out through his backyard, he said about two miles away and perhaps uh, 500 feet off the ground, there was a larger uh, white-yellow light, which at one time was emitting red rays.
1: Did he describe the entity
25: uh, if he did, the newspaper did not pick up on it. They, they left a description of the entity out of the paper.
1: Dumb reporters. But this,
25: uh, this thing left scratch marks on his deck, and they published a picture, which is not very clear. Uh, this, uh, this light chased the entity under his cars in the driveway, and he noticed that the, uh, the antennas on the cars were vibrating back and forth. A neighbor nice. saw this light, so he had a witness. So he woke up his wife and children and, and they, they got up and they viewed all of this and it went on until daylight begun to dawn. And they went back to bed. Later they got up and the husband about 9 a.m. thought, you know, everything was cool. Everything was over. So he took off to the hardware store and after he left the house, it started all over again. And the wife, uh, she went and pulled back the curtains in the den and this thing, this entity was standing on the deck. Oh man. Looking back at her. Subsequently, uh, they called the uh, State Highway Patrol and the local police. They all investigated, and uh, a local national TV station, CBS affiliate, went up and did a story. Uh, incidentally, they treated it seriously. They did not use it as I a. I I understand. Kicker. And the fellow has said since that uh, if he had known what he knows now, he would never have allowed the media on his property. He's... Uh, of course, being called a kook at work and going through the uh, the usual aftermath that sure, people seem sure. to go through. But um, he had two large dogs, uh, which uh, slept right in the yard through the whole thing. Really? And later... the dogs? Took, they noticed in the morning the dogs were unresponsive to light. Oh. that they, they seemed to be heavily sedated. Oh. And they took the dogs to the vet, and one of them had a cut about an inch and a half on his back leg. Wow. But that's pretty much what the newspaper had to say.
1: Well, the only complaint I've got is that how could they possibly go out there and not ask uh, for a description of the, quote, entity?
25: I agree. Uh, Like I say, this is a a small town, a very small town newspaper, and uh, I think maybe somebody must have been sympathetic to this fellow and just uh, overlooked that part.
1: I see. I see. Well, I really appreciate that. Yes, I remember the report, and um, I was having a hard time getting any information on it that night, but that is
25: fascinating. And Well, a, M- a MUFON representative has been there. He was there the next day. If anybody
1: out there has got a copy of the original newspaper article, I'd love to have it.
25: I'll send it to you. I just, this fell into my hands. My sister rounded it up for me. She lives very near where this happened, and uh, she picked up a... An old copy of the newspaper. I um,
1: suppose by now the fellow, poor fellow is probably uh, not pleased with uh, the press and probably wouldn't want to talk to me, huh? Uh,
25: he is not named in this article. You uh, might have to call the newspaper to track that down. But uh, If
1: anybody can help out there, it sure would make a cool interview.
25: Well, I will. Uh, I'll copy this and send it to you, and I'll make a couple of phone calls and alert the paper that you might call them.
1: All right, my friend. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, and I would love to interview that man. That sounds like he, uh, he's really been uh, put through it. Perhaps he would like an opportunity to tell his story uh, without scorn, and I would certainly provide that. Something definitely happened there. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi.
3: Hi. Uh-huh.
26: Art, good yes, morning. Good morning to you. A um, couple of things. Uh, number one, the uh, fellow that killed the little girl, I think he should uh, not. I think they shouldn't put him to death right away. I think they should make him suffer for a while.
1: Well, if waiting 10 years constitutes suffering, that's about the period of time it'll take for the appeals process. You're probably right. You're probably right. The other thing is,
26: um, I have a big dish, and I was uh, doing some surfing yesterday, and uh, you know how they'll show shows early on uh, network feeds
1: yeah. and wild there, feeds they're
26: called right and there was a there was a show that I watched yesterday afternoon that was kind of interesting uh and I wish I could remember the fellows name that they were doing the show on on English fellows that is studying um you know like the the underground um um Oh, caverns and stuff or the you know, the tunnels and stuff underneath the pyramids. Yes. And different things like that, of course he goes to the it uh,
1: was not Graham Hancock, was it? No. No, it was another Okay.
26: Another name I hadn't heard of before. But the fellow that's doing the show, uh do you know the name of the guy that is, because I don't know I'm a I'm a blind person so I couldn't read the credits. Do you know the fellow that is the the guy that plays Al on um home improvement? Do you know who I'm talking about?
1: I don't watch it, but I know who you're talking about.
26: Okay, he saw this guy sounded like him, you know. So that's why I'm thinking it was it was him, it was he that was the moderator of the show. I see. And it sounds like it's something that's going to be coming up on ABC.
1: I'll and look it for was
26: it. Very, very interesting. I caught, I just caught the last you know like half hour of it. But sure. It was very interesting. All and right. I thought, well, this I'll, is down your alley.
1: I'll keep my eye open. All right. Thank you.
26: Thank you. Good morning.
1: And good morning to you, sir. Thank you for the tip. There are so many things these days. So much television. Um, so many channels. So little time. West of the Rockies, you're on there. Good morning, Art. Tim in D- Denver. Hi, country. Hi, Tim.
27: Uh, we've been getting the snow most of the night. Really? Yeah, about four inches out there. It's not sticking to the streets. but The grass looks uh, pretty packed down. Hmm. So, anyway, I've got a quick maybe, question.
1: Maybe it'll improve Elway's game. Uh, was that a slam? Uh, possibly,
27: <laughs> possibly, yeah. You're evil, you're terrible. <laughs> uh, quick question. Uh, if a major event was to occur, uh, very newsworthy proportions. Would you rather it be uh, shortly before you went on the air, when you were on the air, or after you've gotten off the air and had most of the day to listen to it and, and form opinions about the event? Uh, okay. The
1: answer, yeah. is, the answer is, it depends on the event. It would depend. On uh, there are sometimes when events occur when I'm on the air mm-hmm. that it's very exciting um the audience participates i immediately get into it because we do live talk radio overnight and we have reports here probably better than about anywhere else because we have all these people gathering information other kinds of things are horrible because you don't have information about them you can't get information about them and uh, the minute it occurs everybody runs away to television to try and figure out what's going on and of course they're sitting there repeating um usually um senseless information over and over sure, sure. and over again because they don't know what's going on right and so it depends on the event a lot of many times I would prefer an event to occur and for me to be able to digest and form my own opinion so we can come and talk about it intelligently on the air so I don't know that's no kind of answer but
27: well yeah it is yeah that, and it makes a lot of sense uh, quick uh story I'd like to relate to you I loaned a copy Of your book to my brother, whose uh, boss started listening. And when you returned the uh, book to my brother, he said, uh, I asked how he liked it. And he said, "Uh, I really enjoyed it. There was a lot of information that I didn't know. Hmm. And I said, yeah, there is. And he said, uh, for example, I didn't know Art was a ham. And I said, oh, yeah, the more you listen to him, he's a real cut-up. He is a ham. And he started laughing. He says, no, I meant uh, ham radio.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Buried in ham radio all my life. And, uh, and and Busman's Holiday. Thank you very much for the call. I, I'm uh, radio here. Radio really has been my life. You know, you hear people say that kind of thing, but it really has been. Since I was old enough to begin taking my mom's appliances apart, I took, I took a lot of appliances apart. I got in a lot of trouble about that. Since that moment, and that was shortly after I could walk, I have been fascinated by electronics, by radio, and my whole life has been devoted to that. And when I'm not doing it here, then I'm doing it elsewhere. For example, when I get off here in a few minutes, you know, the show's about to come to an end, I have an antenna to fix. I have an N-connector to put on some coax, and I hate N-connectors. Hams will know what I'm talking about. They're horrible. Uh, so, um, one way or the other, I'm consistently involved in radio up to my neck. First-time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah.
7: Hey, good morning, Art. Good morning, sir. I uh, tried to call you yesterday. Well, actually, I called my wife and woke her up and had her try to call you. She, uh doesn't actually have the sleep paralysis but she uh, has a similar experience in while she's fully awake. She, uh, I guess, just uh, has the out-of-body type thing where she can
1: see herself leaving and she can go places. You know, I was thinking yesterday when we were talking about this sort of thing, uh, you know a bad place to have an OBE? Where's that? While you're driving. Well, she did it at work. She uh, does hair,
7: and
1: uh, well, sometimes at work it might be all right.
7: Yeah, I, I imagine if you're doing someone
1: uh, excuse some me, old you,
7: lady's hair, and
1: you said she does hair.
7: Yeah.
1: Oh, now see, she's a
7: cosmetologist.
1: I understand. Now, now there's one person you don't want to have an OBE is your barber. No. <laughs> no.
7: But she tried to call you. Yeah, I called her and woke her up. She's not usually up this time of the morning, but
1: I bet she appreciated that.
7: Oh yes, she did. Cause she, she did was really really enjoyed
1: the show. But, uh, airplane she get through. Airplane pilots. No. That won't be, be on that. would be bad too. All right, sir. Well I appreciate the call. I hope she enjoyed the show. <laughs> airplane pilots, bus drivers, uh train engineers, all no 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 for OBEs. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Uh
6: good morning. or it's a pleasure to talk to you. I just had to uh, respond on the uh, poly class. I think that guy should be hung up like a piñata.
1: I, I do understand. And
6: uh, I think he should be beat senseless.
1: I think he's a piece of... Again, okay, I, I got the idea. Listen, the show is over. You get the honors. Where are you? I'm in Longview, Washington. All right, do it. Good night, America. We love you. That's it. Good night, America and Canada. We love you both. Good
0: night.